Okay, I'm doing the opener.
Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Hey. Everybody doing welcome to Therapy of the Absurd, episode 34. How's everybody's day going? Woo-woo. Let's start with our guest host tonight, Mistress K. Hi. Uh, it's been, today's been a slow day for me. Yeah, I didn't really do much. Um, I just tried to tidy my house, which doesn't really happen. So I didn't do much today. <laughs> uh, I was mostly looking at people's in, uh, like Facebook and Instagram feeds today because uh, like four of my friends got engaged. And I'm like, is this an April Fool's joke? And they're like, it's not an April Fool's joke. And I was just like, ugh. Oh. I was like, well, congratulations. I don't know. <laughs> and then another person posted a baby, like like a sonogram of a baby. And I was just like, oh, this is probably not the best day to go live with any like big news. <laughs> probably Seriously. not today. Seriously. Jeez. Um, so Dana, how was your week or day or month? Um, I don't know. The day was good. Uh you guys you can pick your time period. Uh, okay, yeah. Like so um <laughs> the day was good, no complaints. I got off to like um I stayed up late working on some stuff, so I got up late and then like I didn't structure it, but I did pick up my dry cleaning. Um I got the two things that make living on earth wonderful. Uh I got some watermelon and some sushi. Um, Ooh, that's, yummy. That's that's what heaven looks like to me. Um, and uh, and then I just got off of a great show. We were raising money for cancer and it's a series of shows and it looks like they've been, they've been really raising a lot of money and Shane was on the show. And it's so funny. Like I am, we talk about comedy and roasting and like, I'm like, I actually, I don't feel like I roast. I feel like I toast, but I like to try to give like good, interesting toast. And it starts with yourself. So one of my jokes always is when I wear like the high bun and my little ribbons, I always say two things. I'm either giving you my best Vanessa Del Calloway from Coming to America, um, ooh, 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 or I'm giving you my best Amanda Gorman. If I've got on my yellow and my red, then I'm giving you my best Amanda Gorman from you know inauguration. But Shang actually called me out because as usual, this is the weird thing. I'll leave it right here. Like, I guess I probably was the only black woman or woman of color you know, in the audience period, it's a wonderful audience, you know, you know no, no big deal. I'm um, actually Kiki Young from Crazy Woke Asians was on oh, the yeah. bill with us, which was amazing. Um, and then April Weber, who I've done several shows with. But anyway, um, I was eating and Shang's like, oh, the sister is there eating. And I was like, and he was like, um, coming to it. She's got her best coming to America going. And I was just cracking up because I was like, hey, he's got my outer comedy, you know, my roasting going. But, I, um, but, I, but I'm beginning to really, like I said, I think I'm more of a toaster than a roaster. But I love, I love all of that. Um, I think I was telling you guys, Jeff, oh my God, Jeff Ross. Oh yeah, like, Jeff Ross, uh, Rose Battle. Jeff Ross, I had it down, so he teased me about looking like uh, Whoopi Goldberg a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, the biggest compliment. Anyway, so yeah. as you can see, my days, you know, it's just been a day. It's a, the day, the day in the life of a comic. That's all I can say. And I, I think I, I got my eyeshadow right. That's probably my biggest. Oh, looks nice, looks nice. Like I mixed some colors. <laughs> And we'll leave it right o there. O okay. You know, I, I actually, I, you like immediately, I thought of a comeback for you, though, if if you wanted one was, I get to work like Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg and you get to look like Jeff Ross. Mm. And I love I, you, Jeff Ross, by the way, but I hope you like that joke. You can't, you can't row Shang Forbes. You just can't. Okay. The right. guy is too slick. 
he's too quick. That's the New Yorker. Like you can't, you just can't mm. go there with him. Whatever but, you can battle him with, you just no, no, gonna come back. Back. he's gonna come back. But I did actually think of something. I don't usually think of anything. So <laughs> it, I, I wanted it, to share with the group, not so, with Jeff Ross. He's not watching the show, think, I think. And I don't think I would try to Are roast. You? I don't think I would try to roast Jeff Ross or Shane. You know, back like like. And I mean, if, if we were, you know, we're we're all behind the scenes here. But like, if we like, if it was, I don't know. Like maybe you know, obviously we were in a parking lot. You know, buy a car and just you know we were just running it maybe for fun, but I and I just I love them both anyway. So that honestly, as you could tell, that made my day. I think that that was like fun or whatever. This and this eyeshadow, I'll leave it at that. Right. How was your, how was your day, Dan? Well, <laughs> last weekend, today, today we got a puppy. Ooh, uh, what kind? Well, we got a. It's a it's a terrier mixed with a German Shepherd and possibly uh, this 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 other um, dog. Oh, what's that thing called? Oh, a cocker spaniel. Uh. So that's all the traits we're seeing in this dog. But uh, yeah, we went to a puppy lottery and we got it. And oh, it's uh, Lauren. It is seven weeks old right now. So okay. yeah, very very small puppy from Tijuana. So you know, we're we're helping. Like you know, we're just. Every once in a while, I look out the the window and make sure ice isn't rolling down here. Uh -oh. um, but uh, <laughs> what's the dog from? Does it have its no, pet pass? She's born here. She's born here. So. <laughs> Does the dog have its pet pass? But, <laughs> but anyways, uh, what's it called? Uh, we uh, she's yeah, she's a cute little bup and everything, but she really likes to bite. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and um. And one one time I saw her like playing with some poop, and so yeah, they do that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be crude, but she might be into eating ass. It's possible. Well, that was crude. Like if you didn't want to be crude, <laughs> it, 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 it's, crude. Well, it, the problem is it's really good damper. First of all, on... can I just say something? Don't yuck someone else's yum. Okay. Oh, I say there's that too. Yes, of, thank you. There's a lot of booty eaters out there. Okay, <laughs> like eating booty is not so bad. We have these things. They're magical things called wet wipes nowadays. So you're good. You're good. <laughs> toss a salad. No, 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 no. no. Well, I'm not yucking like yum. It. It's just it's really put a damper on naked floor puzzle time. Oh, I said read it, re I, redirect. None of you do of this. I got to tell you, it's the best way to make sure the kids stay in their room for like two hours. Oh, they will yeah. not come out. Uh, Did you no. say naked floor time? Is that no naked floor puzzle time? You usually pick naked like a floor. thousand piece puzzle. It takes a couple hours. Yeah, naked floor puzzle. You never just lie naked on the floor and do a puzzle. <laughs> Is it just my household, my family, my extended yeah, that family? Would, that would just. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. By a show of hands, who owns a puzzle? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I need one. I need one. I should get one. I'm bad. I'm horrible. I just, where is it? I just bought, let me, I just bought, let me see. I just bought this from Target. Ooh, the game. Nice, nice. I haven't played yet. I haven't played yet. But y'all, and you guys know how I feel about RBG, although I am sporting. Shirley Chisholm. Oh, there today. you go. Very nice. You guys know how I feel about RBG. Y'all know. Uh, Ours ate poop. LOL. Not anymore, though. Yeah, it's a phase. Right, right, right. right. I remember the poop eating yeah, parasite. We are great. Look, look, at, look at Nick's next one. He's from my family. See, the only thing I would worry about about your uh, dog. That's, that's, that's disturbing. That's really disturbing, Nick. Uh -huh. Is that like yeah. your dog would eat the poop and then bite you? 
and then you could get like a bacterial infection yeah. or like e. oh yeah poisoning oh yeah no there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of uh it's just one of those things that they they do they, but you know. well yours actually does a lot more i've only seen it happen once but i thought well if they get a parasite or they have one they tend to eat it a lot Really, so, like, oh. that phase, but your puppy wasn't your puppy wasn't <laughs> biting. Like, like I mean, I feel like I have had a front row seat to all of the puppy dog shit eating growth phase chronicles. Like, because <laughs> I am like I've, I've been right here for every step before we had the puppy when we were waiting for the, the countdown to the arrival of the puppy, and then the you know the successive visits to the vet and this is like yeah. Um, but uh, your puppy wasn't biting, Stefan. So that phase, you know, was she? You didn't tell it. Well, you didn't well, tell. Well, I mean, it, it. I'm still writing material about that, but it, it, yeah. But when they, when they're teething, though. So what Dan's going through is just a minor thing. Those are cute little nibbles. When they start teething, they don't necessarily try to hurt you, but they get real nippy. So right now you're you're in a cute little. Well, and then later on, it's, no, we're we're stopping her actually right now because uh, newer knowledge says you stop them from doing it. Otherwise. Oh yeah, you're supposed to, you're supposed to replace it with a toy. So if they're biting yeah. something you don't like, instead of just saying no, you keep in emphasizing the toy over and over until they get you know the toy thing. Yeah, or yeah. I give them you know my neighbor's legs. Oh my! Know. Right, because if they're because if they're teething, assuming that all biology is the same, then you know they're itching. You know, it's the same for. You know, everybody on here except Mrs. K has kids. You guys know the deal. If our kids I have are a kid. Oh, you, oh, you do. Oh, I have a daughter. <laughs> I didn't know that, but okay. So, how long have you been with her? A year. Okay, how old is she? She's six. Okay, but were you there? But you weren't there for the teething stage. I apologize, Mrs. K. I did not. Did I not? Wait, you can't that? assume that, Dana. I mean, because I didn't push her out. Stage. Don't mean I don't have one. I right. mean, I consider her a rescue. But no. you know, <laughs> right? So, my, my bad, super my bad. But I'm just saying, you guys know about the teething phase. You know they, you know, oh, it's just like with, oh, you know, with, with our with our babies. Um, with you know, with babies, like, you gotta. I'm give not them worried care. about the teething phase with her. I'm worried about the the. 12 outfits a day change. Okay. Oh. Like miss, I oh. come over and I only have this outfit on for five minutes and then I'm going to go change. And I'm like, where are you going? We're in the middle <laughs> of a global pepperoni. Like right. you're six. Like, where are you going? Miss? That's Debbie? what I was about to say. Where was you? Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, um, and wow. it only gets worse if they want to one day be a speed dresser. So, <laughs> as long as she wants to put clothes on and not take them off, aka stripper, that's all good, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I have a daughter. I yeah, I agree. <laughs> and you guys, like it's total sidebar. I just saw a little interview with Rashida Jones, and um, she has done a documentary. Have you guys heard about this? Like, there is there's the point in porn industry as we kind of know the professional. Oh porn yeah. I know industry, what you're talking about. Yeah. But there's an amateur porn industry. Like, I feel like I had no idea. Life after porn or something like oh, that. Um, yeah, like, and I don't, I don't know. What it's called, yeah. But I'm yeah. like, so I'm like so blown away. I just like, I'm a big fan of Rashida Jones period. Oh no. Yeah. She's beautiful. Like, Right, right, right. But just you know, she's gifted too, um, oh, yeah. and in terms of acting and all the things. And obviously, I you know, I grew up on her dad's music. Um, so I totally um, but I just didn't know that. So when you guys were just talking about that just now, I was just like I had no idea that, that such a thing existed. Um, amateur porn and that it's an industry, like that it's oh yeah, no, yeah. Well, yeah, there was recently an article I saw on Reddit or something, I forget which newspaper it was in, but it was talking about how recently uh Pornhub 
purged tons of videos from amateur sources because some of them had people either underage or right. possibly underage or people that were not of sound mental capacity right. when the act was happening right. and so they actually did the this is the interesting thing about that that, that you know that um website they give tons of money to charity they do a bunch of great causes and then when they find out there's a problem they actually take care of it instead of facebook going i don't know i don't know what we can do they you know QAnon is a valid belief i guess they, well, that's because they get a big tax break, yeah. first and foremost. <laughs> and second of all, um, you should not be watching any porn links that are free. You should be watching feminist porn. Okay, this is where my feminist comes out. Feminist porn, you actually have to pay for it because not only do the directors get paid, but the star, the people that are the performers are actually getting paid a living wage. Okay, believe it or not, porn stars do not make a lot of money these days. Um, wow. You know? It's a flooded industry. <laughs> that is good to know, though. Like, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not necessarily, you know, but this is, I'm like, I, I'm glad to know, Mr. Because, like, these are just things I don't know because it's just not, like, yeah. I was, well, I was, it's also like, it's real people. You're, you're getting, you know, you're getting the LGBTQIA folks. You're getting people with like real bodies. You're not getting the ones that have like the bleach assholes. You know what I mean? Like you're you're getting <laughs> wait what? <laughs> you're, you're getting the real people. Like like the fact that when you unzip a man's trousers, it's not like ba boom in your face. It's like oh, you actually have to work for it, type of right. deal. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, when, when you're a really young guy, it's always ba boom in the face. <laughs> At least the first two times. No, I've never, <laughs> I've never seen a trouser snake jump out at me. It's always just like. Oh my god, my arm's gonna fall off! Like, what's happening right. here? <laughs> first thing, I love, I love this. I love this. That's why I have such this. massive guns, guys. <laughs> you should try more sober, dudes. Um. So, <laughs> um, my my week was okay. Can't complain too much. Uh, I did get to see the new Godzilla versus King Kong uh, transition from you know Dong to King Kong, um, and uh, it, it I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Where, where, where you look, you're looking for God, you're, what, God, did you say dong to King Kong? Yes. Oh, it's something in the canon. I'm not. King Kong, I'm, yes. <laughs> it's oh, not okay. another monster. It's okay. It's okay. That's cool. Um, it's like a Pokemon, <laughs> right? Like, like Pokemon. But a really big one. <clears throat> yes. So that was pretty good. And then, um, oh my gosh, what? Uh, I know there's something else that's uh, something else big is dropped as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, a, for those of you out there who like, uh, Adult cartoons. No, there's no pornography in it, but adult car cartoons that are extremely violent and have really good stories. Amazon Prime has a uh, something on there by Robert Kirkman and two other writers. He's the writer creator of Walking Dead. But this is a superhero show for uh, adults called uh, Invincible. So if you're if that's your thing, that's something you're into. Definitely check that out. So that's every Friday. There's a new episode. So, but other than that, the dog is uh, the dog got two baths today. The dog does not stink, thank goodness, because when she stinks, I don't want her close. <laughs> I want her to stay six, no, 12 feet away, not six feet. Um, other than that, that's that's about it. That's about it. That's about it. That's about it. And if we Ooh. asked you for movies, you would be able to talk for 30 minutes straight, Stefan. Pro pro probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe longer. I don't know. Well, 
intro. Yes, intro. we do have an amazing guest. We do. And so I'm so excited, you guys. Um, Clubhouse. Let's talk about it. It's become a thing for real, for real. It has become a cultural phenomenon. Um, if nothing else, um, a lot of people like it's encouraging iPhone usage. Um, and so for those that don't know, um, and this woman that we're about to uh, host on this amazing comic and just amazing person is way huger than Clubhouse. But I, I talk about Clubhouse as a segue in because I am meeting a whole community and tribe of comedians and folks that I look forward to when we are, you know, as we come out of this that I get to meet in person. And Manu is an incredible mod and mo the nickname is mod, but moderator on Clubhouse Rooms for the Laugh Factory. And the Laugh Factory is, as we know, we talked with uh, Corinne a couple of weeks ago, who's doing these amazing workshops from sketch to, to a roasting workshop to uh, just workshop on crowd work. I fell on my face the other day trying to do a, a crowd work workshop in there um, and just offering a, a, you know, a safe space for growth as a comedian. And Manu is part of kind of the crew of, of I would say women, even though Laugh Factory, I believe is owned by men. And it seems like everything that we've met, there's this amazing crew of women who are leading the charge for comedy education, for comedy elevation. And Manu is a sergeant in that army. And so we'd like to welcome to the to the broadcast, Manu from Clubhouse. Manu, welcome. Hello. Manu, Hello. I, I feel like I would, butcher, I would be butchering your last name, so I'm not gonna try to say your last name. Yeah, girl, it's Maciel, but you know, Maciel. nobody cares. Maciel. Maciel. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, with that introduction, I was like, is anybody else coming? Because that's definitely not me. But thank you. <laughs> oh, we got the wrong menu. Be... I'm sorry. No. Yeah, my mom's going to be proud. I just have to put subtitles on. Right, it is recorded. Yeah, so it's recorded. We can cut you the clip and you can do what you need to do uh, in terms of the subtitles on it. Uh, welcome, Manu Maciel. Did I say that right, Maciel? Yes, you did, yes. Queen. Yes. Uh, to the broadcast and it's also you guys also this is the thing much like the fact that interestingly enough i've been doing this show with dan and stefan uh for what six months now guys well, like longer eight, than eight, that eight months like, like i always get it wrong so help me eight help months, eight, almost eight months, eight a little months. over eight months Don't i've never met time. them in person but but due to the the world of comedy i've actually met mistress k in person and been blessed to do a show uh manu i'm seeing you in person from which is even because clubhouse is all audio so I want to jump right in. Like, first of all, tell us how long you've been doing comedy. Like, 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 you know, you don't have to give away your age if that's not your thing. But how long have you been a comedy? Oh, no, girl. I have no problem with that. I'm 38. Um, and I've been doing comedy. <sighs> I mean, I think professionally, I think I started with 18, 19. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Mail clubhouse, no, not not even cell phones. No, we have cell phones. They just did not work. Uh, but yeah, it's been a while. Were you, did you start in Brazil or were you already in the States? No, I started in Brazil um, where we did not have the stand-up format. Mm. Very, it was not very popular at that time. Where it was more like people going on stage and telling jokes. This is really an American thing, the, the, the stand-up format. So I was all over the place, just bombing. And oh my God, all my family and my friends, they think I'm funny. But then I go on stage, nobody understands me. So I had, I had, um, I had a 
big run, I would say, for for the first laughs. We're not they were not easy. They were not easy. Got you. Um, and then once you came to the States, um, what's the biggest tell us maybe like the three major differences? Because is there now a comedy scene in Brazil? Oh yeah, yeah, and it's big. Whereabouts uh, in Brazil are you from? I'm from Rio, but I used to Ooh. live in Sao Paulo. Oh, uh -huh. I have friends there, so shout out to Brazil! Yeah, <laughs> just make sure they're still alive because things there are kind of weird. Um, yeah, so the main differences, I would say. Uh, I did a lot of improv, actually it's improv, it's my, my whole base, mm -hmm. and it's really different because you have to think in another language, and mm. not only language, but culture. So um, up to, I would say, three years ago or two years ago, the right way to refer to a black person in Brazil would be to use the N-word, because that is considered race. Black would, is just a color, it's not a race. So it would be Caucasian or N-word or other things. Uh, and the, the, the culture that you don't have it's crucial for especially for improv and crowd work because in brazil i know the soccer teams i can play with i know the states uh there are recognized so and so and things and that we we are all used to listening to when we are kids but here i did not have that so basically my improv background felt flat it was like wow I, I could use it but but it was not as fast because I had to think and then I had to translate and then I had to filter to know if that was offensive or or appropriate to the United States. So it, it was even harder. I, I don't know where my mind was that I thought, OK, I'm bombing here, so maybe I should go to L.A. and try Laugh Factory. But yeah, I just got it. Mm. And then how did you become involved with the Laugh Factory? Uh, so when I came here, I was part of, of a competition in Brazil and I, I won an, um, a scholarship. So I came here to study acting mm -hmm. for film and comedy and blah, blah, blah. And of course, the Laugh Factory was like, boom, uh, everything that a comic wants, Laugh Factory, Comic Store and Improv or the places that you want to be. So um, I knew some people from the Laugh Factory, some comics there. Uh, but is really now with me on Clubhouse because we are doing those workshops and then I met Enrique and Kareen and we kind of have the same idea because the mm -hmm. Left Factory has been uh, recognized by helping comics and finding new talents and um, really being like a lab for that. And mm -hmm. as we were closed the last year, we could not do that, not as, mm. not as constantly as they used to. So mm -hmm. basically what we are doing now is giving people a voice. So if you never did comedy, you go there, you try your bits, and then you have a bunch of comedians trying to help you with that, which I think it's amazing because I never had that. When you go to the open mic, sometimes you bomb because people are so self-absorbed because they are going to go next or because they know the where the punchline has to be. They know the techniques. We don't have the same years like a regular audience. Mm -hmm. So uh, that space, I think, 
um, helped me with my writer's block because mm. no, I'm as as a comedian, I'm a procrastinator, so I did not spend my whole pandemic writing, mm. and I had it. I was rusty, I have to say, and that room helped me a lot. Wow! Now take me back because I want to get these. So, when did you get to? What year did you get to the states? If you don't mind, seven years ago. So, so not long at all. And then you clearly became involved with the Laugh Factory before the pandemic. So you and Corinne go back. Like, you guys know each other? No, no, actually, no. I've been really? to the Laugh Factory and then I have met her. Yeah, no. Yeah. Wow. Like, we, we were at the same time in the same place, but we never met. Or or at least we don't recognize each other. We were right, ship's passing, ship's passing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Got some it. of those scenes in movies they show later on in the movie? Yeah, I'm like, wait, were you like, there? Oh, wait. I was there. Yeah, you were there. And the it whole was the time. same. You did it. It was the same thing with Corinne and Theron. Theron was uh -huh. at the same event that Corinne, and they were like, wait, we were there. Oh yeah, we met. So it's like, yeah. Wow. We, we well, isn't there, that though. the yeah. myth though? Isn't that the myth though? There can only be one female comedian in the room, right? Oh, <laughs> like that's the no. myth. That's Usually, the myth. you you can only have one good female comedian in the room and that's mm. never me so i'm not even concerned oh no sis. no 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 sis we're running in packs now we're running in packs right right, okay. right, right. seriously <laughs> tear down the never understand. yes um so so now have you be okay pre-pandemic but have you had a chance to go home to rio to do comedy and like uh after I came here, no, because of the visa and the paperwork and the process okay. of be, keep renewing it, I'm stuck here. Like this country loves me in a way that I cannot leave. <laughs> well, I can always leave. I can just not come back if I leave. And Got I'm it. legal. If anybody from immigration is listening to this, I, I have my papers. It's all good. I just have to renew it every year. You never know who's listening to this, right? Maybe right. knock on my door. And, ah, hi, ISIS. So yeah, I'm legal. <laughs> Still legal. I just cannot go back because of the process. I have to wait for the final green line so I can go. So it's right. been seven years that I don't eat real Brazilian food. Oh. Listen, you gotta travel. You okay? So my people are from Boston, right? And there's this place called Marlboro, and it's Little Brazil. If anybody's watching, shout out to Little Brazil and Marlboro. And let me tell you, there is not a person that speaks English there. It's all Portuguese. It's all Brazilians. Everywhere you go, you can get Brazilian food, and it's like not commercialized at all. It's not American based or anything like that. Like. So you just, you got to get out of L.A., girl. You got to get out of here. No, Near me, there's a Brazilian so barbecue place. Yeah, but. Uh, no, 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 no. But, but, now I, no, but now I feel sad because that means all the Brazilian barbecue places we went to were, were a lie. Yes. If they don't make you pay by the pound, if they don't make you pay by the pound, that that's not a real Brazilian place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. No American can afford to eat like that. I mean, that would go to one. <laughs> but that's actually true, because when you have people from other countries trying to cook Brazilian food, sometimes they put their own spices and mm. it changes the taste. Like I know when somebody from Mexico is doing that because it's usually spicier than it would be in Brazil. I'm like, I feel um. like, mm, that cilantro should not be here. Mm -mm. So you know that it's somebody from like following the recipe, but adding their touch 
And sometimes that takes away all the flavor for us. Wow. I'm feeling like I need a caipanilla right now, right? Like, I feel like Girl, I need that, right? That, like, I need yes. to, that I know how to do. It's, <laughs> if it's, there is one thing there's like inside our blood, it's caipanilla. I don't even yes. drink, but I know how to do it. It's like weird. <laughs> and according to my friends, mine is good. So I'll hook you up. Yes, definitely. We'll have to get cocktails soon. <laughs> wow. I love being around drunk people. Uh, <laughs> when we went to the employees only show, you you don't drink. Like, like I just remember, I just remember when we uh, were there that we were there that yeah, night. I'm the weirdest kind of Brazilian that you ever met in your life first because i'm brazilian and jewish and those words only go together when it's like brazilian jew jitsu so people <laughs> usually go, i'm like mm, no i don't know how to fight um i don't drink um i don't have a beautiful tan um my body is not like in a sculpture or anything that you think that the stereotype of the brazilian that's not me like at all I celebrate a uh, 4th of July, guys. I'm like, hey, let's go, America. That's because they're watching I, you. You know that, right? I know. Like, Why would you pick that up? That's the only like reason I wasn't kicked out. Girl, yet. seven years and you ain't find yourself a sponsor yet? What's happening? Girl, we need to hang out. Like, I'll clear this green card situation up real quick. Like, I love that good. she... I give her a problem, she comes with the solution. I give her a problem, she's like, oh, bing, 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 bing. Yeah, it's because we bitch too so much. much like, I'm a solution-based girl. I'm like, okay, I see you a problem, are. let's fix it. I'm firing my therapist tonight, and you're going to take over my life, because honestly, uh, why am I spending all that money? You were here, and you just solved my three major concerns in life. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, when the bars now. open back up, watch out watch out okay like i am the best wing person like i like my spirit animal is a shark okay i'm like Ooh. i go into a club like we are shopping girl i'm like okay girl which one you want which one you want and we'll go get them i need you in my life because my spirit animal is like a panda bear i eat and i watch netflix and then i eat again and no you're just one over from 2020 that's what it is People are still hungover uh, from 2020. That's that's kind of what it is. Like 2021. <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> oh. Stacy like, said I, she's I a panda bear too. <laughs> I love. Well, I'm I'm not say I'm not gonna say that I love coronavirus, but I love the pandemic thing because it it I didn't need any excuses. I I am volunteer at the hospital, so every time people would call me for something, I'd be like, you know what? I'm in the risk group. I cannot be around you guys, but next time maybe. And like my whole year, I did not have to find an excuse not to be working out. The gyms were closed. Oh, too bad. <laughs> that was the year I decided to start. Mm. So okay, how are you finding? How are you finding Zoom comedy? Are you liking it? Are you not liking I hate it? it. Or... No, I hate <laughs> it. Yeah, that was bad. I hate <laughs> it. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> 
I hate it. I hate it. Um, I'm not like a very people person, as you might have noticed. Um, <laughs> I hate small talk. I'm that kind of person that if I'm putting my trash out and I hear my neighbor opening her drawer, I'm like, <gasps> I hold my breath. I hold my door. I'm like, Shh, go, go. <laughs> yeah. okay. And then I open it. So I don't like small talk, but in comedy, we need people. We need to see their reaction. It's the only way that we can tailor the material and know if we are doing good or bad or that thing of driving, doing comedy for a parking lot and see like lots of flashing lights. It's not for me. And the Zoom thing, it's not either. I, I never know if people are not laughing, if I'm bummed, if my connection is lost, if they don't if they don't understand my accent if my mic is uh, the battery's <laughs> over I, like I'm, sometimes i'm alone in the room because i forget to put people in it's it's a hot mess it's just not for me i hate it yeah. with all my power well i love getting heckled by people that forget to turn their mic off yeah right oh, yeah, that's cool. that's cool. and then these people are having like real life moments they're like girl he cheated on you no way and then what happened Girl, no, it's just like, hello, like, why are you here if you're not paying attention to us? Right, I, I went to a Zoom show just to support my friends, and actually we had one at the Laugh Factory too, but you had people like doing their nails and their pajamas and like this, right. and the other one was just knitting, and, and then you look at the person and she's like... Yeah. It's not <laughs> no, for you, that reaction's like not this. for you. Yeah, and then uh, I honestly had not with me, but I saw a lady. She she just took a nap, and this is not very. If you're listening to this, sleepy lady, don't do that again because that's rude. We are trying to make you laugh. We just went through a pandemic. We are comedians, therefore we have mental issues. So if we are trying to do that for you, please be mindful and don't sleep during our set, or at least turn your camera off. See, I live for those people because I call them out. And I'm like, girl, what are you knitting? Are you knitting a, a, a hammock or like an afghan? Like, what are you doing? Doilies? Like, what's happening here? You know, like, I love calling those people out. Like, I could do a whole Zoom show just on what people were doing in their little bubble. Right? It's like Hollywood Squares. You're just like, Dana Keel. All right, girl. What's going on with that background? Like, right. What table did you steal that from? Is that velvet? <laughs> like you just you go off, right? And she right. only does blue. She only yeah. does blue comedy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Better why she always goes blue. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, that was a bad joke, but okay. I'm not going to make the same joke about my my background. Um, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> I love that though. Blue comedy of all the roasts. That is both of you guys. That is because I like I I got roasted one night and they were just like, "You don't have a green screen. Why you got a blue screen?" And it was supposed to be a roast, but I was like, "Well, that's like I mean, mm. you." You were trying to roast me, but in my head, I'm like, that wasn't, but whatever. But I do think that there's something funny about my royal blue black, my royal blue background compared. So anyway, like here I am, the scientist of comedy, always analyzing. But I loved that no, roast. but I think when, well, I'm not, of course, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But I think green and blue 
when you're going to um, change the background or do something graphic, they, they work the same because they are far distance from the skin color and, and they really work. So I've been, I've seen blue screens and green screens. So that, that, that was, was green phobia before. right there. <laughs> I thought yeah, you that, were that... using this to like catfish somebody because men like bright colors. <laughs> You got your blue, my... you got your pink, right? If you put you, your yellow and your red, when you're just like visually very colorful and very appealing to watch on the like bubble dudes screen. in general or weeboos? I mean, which one? <laughs> weeboos. I just can see so many things that I've been doing wrong my whole life because look, I'm like black almost all the time. I look like a widow or something. And yeah, now, but you're pretty and blonde. Like you're fine. You're pretty and blonde. You're good. Divinely <laughs> perfect bone structure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like people can fetishize you, right? Because you've got that whole exotic thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love how the word exotic can fit it basically everything. You try something you don't really like. Hmm, exotic taste. Like you look at your aunt's curtains. Uh, yeah, that's exotic. You look at Giselle. Yeah, she's exotic. You just have to change the tone, and it's a completely different meaning. It's I love that. Well, part. this is LA. It's a city of how do you sell yourself, right? You're just well, like, eh. and always, always make sure you say exotic and not erotic at the wrong time. Like, mm -hmm. oh, she's pretty erotic. Fuck. <laughs> I had a I have a friend who was um, she's brave so I, I have to give her that and she was trying to learn English and she would not never be afraid of speaking with strangers and everything and somebody complimented her hair and she was she wanted to say that I ha she had a Brazilian blow dry and she was like yeah I just had a Brazilian blow job yeah <laughs> girl we oh. know we all know you did but how does that relate to your hair it just doesn't make any sense. We we are killers and, and <laughs> those kinds of things. Which brings me, you just actually like opened a whole Pandora's box. Um, um, you guys just let me know how our time is, and I know many of you have to go back. So, like in this country, we do we have the Brazilian blowout, like you know, for for the hair. But this is what I want to know: Do you know why in this country we name a certain type of uh, waxing, you know, for the ladies the Brazilian, like? Do you, is there is there really like a tie? Is that style of waxing from Brazil? Like, I'm, I'm glad curious. you asked because I get that a lot. Um, usually, when I say that I'm Brazilian, people immediately think, "Okay, bald vagina." Uh, and yes, we 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 really like it and um, hairless, almost hairless body. The only one that we keep it's up here, and everything else is like clean. So I don't know if it's because um, there are lots of um, beaches and uh, places where people wear bikinis a lot and, and they are mm -hmm. always with the body exposed. As you can see, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's shaved because even if you're not receiving any visitors, you should keep your house clean, right? So um, that's, that's my theory. And yeah. We, we, we. <laughs> well, I thank, never you, know. thank you for answering that question and um thank you dana for being the one that asked it for right us. because i had my first only and last one um was that the top of last year or the top of Ouch. 2019 Girl. but i was just like 
you know, and my my good my one of my best friends is an esthetician. This is an interesting story I'll share. Um, she's an esthetician, and she was actually you know training um you know a, a, a young woman who was coming to the shop. So I wanted you know I went in there just to get like kind of my leg waxed and to get you know the facial mm-hmm. wax I get done. Of course, because I am her best friend and she is mine. She's like, oh no no, you're the guinea pig. So once they get me on the table, then I'm then I'm being told what waxes and what services I will be getting, of which is included a Brazilian. And so I'm sorry. Yeah, like so I was like, okay, well, I'm as you know, I I wish I had a I'm working on my British accent. I'm game for a laugh. So I'm like, okay, I'm game. Oh my goodness. The first thing she says is, okay, you've got to put your, your legs in the, um, what does she call it? Because it's, it's basically like you have to present, like for me, I had to pretend like I was in stirrups and I'm just like, girl. So I do this and I'm like, girl. And then she's talking to and explaining to the, her, her trainee, okay, her apprentice. Okay. You've got to do everything fast because you know, the women, you know, so like, even if you're conversing, you have to do everything really fast because obviously, you know, you want, it has to go fast. It has to be whatever you want to make wax is still hot. And of course, so she's trying to train the girl. The girl is learning how to do this on me. And then my friend Charlie, right? My friend Charlie, and she's a girl. She's just like, did you get that C-section scar? Like when you like, oh my God, your C-section scar is awesome. I'm like, this is too many things at one time. I'm okay with the compliment on my C-section scar. And then she looks at her trainee like, she's like, you can't ask anybody that. She's my girl. That's the only reason I'm asking, but you can't have that conversation. With I'm like, this is too much. Like you're trying to explain to her how to do the Brazilian. You're asking <laughs> a compliment on my C-section scar, which is somehow weirdly kind. Thank you for the compliment, but I'm just not sure that this is how it's all supposed to go. Like right yeah. now, like this is this is the moment that we're having. But anyway, a lot of fun. I, I would... I would describe it as embarrassing because every time somebody tells me like men that were supposed to be doing their prostate cancer exam or something like that. Oh no, that's streamer. I'm like, dude, have you ever had a person saying, could you please spread it a little bit further so I can go with my spatula and if you have a third person in the room like watching how it's done donna i feel for you girl girl like like, because it was it's it's like like some positions that you have to be it's almost like a yoga (laughs) thing that it it is and then the bitch is like oh can i say sorry yeah no no yes 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 okay okay so it's one two three and then she goes one and you Right, and then you want to touch it to see if it's still there. If right, if the skin's still there. Did you it's pull like, it off? Oh. Right, did you pull it yeah, off? But that's not even the worst part. That's not even the worst <sighs> part because, like, the vaginas used to get impounded. It's when they do your butt crack. <laughs> Talk about right? yours. Your butt crack is the worst part because I was like, this has to stop, but they were like, no, and they, you know, they from the ruder to the tuta is you know what 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 happened rooted to the tuta that is the weirdest denny's menu no, item i've ever heard of that's the name of the comedy special i love it i love it from right, rooted like, to the all, tuta. I, I can only reiterate like when you say when we that's talk cool. about exposed and feeling exposed geez oh Pete, that getting a brazilian is a new level i don't think i felt that exposed even when i had my son when i had a cesarean like you know like i don't i don't recall i mean i guess because they cut you open so they don't you know no oh, one's I've got really a paying. c-section yeah you know, they, yeah like they don't i, I was, guess they're not, they're not 
there's not as much attention paid to your private parts in the same way mm-hmm. because they're cutting you open to pull the baby out a different way as opposed to pulling the baby out, you know, this way. So, oh my but God. Didn't you now, feel amazing after it was done though? Which part, the Brazilian or the C-section? Which, what are we asking? <laughs> the Brazilian <laughs> C-section. Who cares about the baby? Get it quick. I'm saying like, did you feel amazing after you had the Brazilian wax? I felt like I had a secret that I could not tell. I felt oh, no. like <laughs> oh, no. see, like when I got mine done, I got mine done by store. an actual Brazilian. And and uh I was walking out of there and I was like, Do you want to see it? Like I was like trying to show everybody because I was so like proud. Like I felt like I had gotten like, you know, like a Girl Scout merit badge, you know. I was like, I went oh, through yeah, that girl. Like, like it was torture. Girl, uh, there, and then when you be- take a shower, when you yes. take a shower is one of the best feelings ever because it's like the water goes to places that you never thought it's like where are you going i like i don't know where you're going but i want to go too it's nice everything is easier yeah you don't you never have like the problem or the issue or the concern to have your own pubic hair no i manscape my entire body so you get the way less traction on slip and slides it's awesome Right. I used to have oh, a client. He had a he had a fetish <laughs> for getting waxed. And he was like a teddy bear. Like he had that oh, like, wow. teddy bear sweater. Really and I'd be like ripping it. And he would get like so much pleasure of me ripping that. I was just like, this these are the things I've done for money. Like I'm telling you, I was just <sighs> my gosh. Dan, Dan, you need to be waxed. You need some help there? Hmm? Wait. Hmm? Hmm? No, that's gonna make naked floor puzzle time so much better. It's going to be a great night. About <laughs> that. She was like, what? Is that a, <laughs> yes, is there an American thing? Like the yes. Yes, there is. And I want because, you to believe um, that. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I'm, only at Dan's house. I'm going to use that. Only Manu, it's house. only at Dan's house. I feel like oh, Hasbro okay. is like watching this, and that's going to be like the new game that they yeah, come they're out like taking, Christmas. They're like, <laughs> they're going to write the next specs for the. Puzzle and he's like, they are like, okay. Yeah, okay, we have okay. to put on the box then, that it's 18 plus. Yes, exactly. It's appropriate for if you want to do it naked. Like, 18 yeah. and above. Weird. I bet the Hasbro will officially start making adult toys. So that is what uh, Hasbro will do now. Adult toys as opposed to. They do. I mean, look at look at the potato heads. Come on now. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depending on how you use it, they are already adult toys. Well, you know what was so funny about like how they're like, oh, the potato head is non gender non-binary. I was like, um, if you ever Googled what a potato is, it was always non-binary. <laughs> like- yep. And people, please stop vegetable abuse. That's not fun. <laughs> oh, boy. Poor cucumbers, they go through a lot. Nick says she pulled your last dinner out with one swap. And then <laughs> I'm assuming that might have been swoop, but it's okay. I'll take swap. Um, Ron, swap. Um, and then Preston says, Wait, what happened with waxing? It was just tending to my chickens. <laughs> oh, like um like you guys how much more time do we have with manu um if somebody um, we're, if she's gotta go it, it's no no i have a question so i just <laughs> oh okay. Like, no, no, okay. <laughs> okay so manu seven years away from home doing comedy here doing big things great like what do you miss most about rio 
Food. Okay. That. All right, so we talk. Okay. Oh, oh, my, uh, yeah. I, I have family, but food comes first. <laughs> if I had to choose bringing my family over or food over, would be food and then family. Actually, not really family. Just my mom. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they don't speak English, so they never know what I'm saying. So yeah, just food and my mom. All the rest is like, <laughs> yeah, you can stay there. Like people ask me uh, uh, always, uh, would you be here like forever if you had to sign a paper and never go back to Brazil? I'm like, where do I sign? <laughs> Unfortunately, that was never an official question. But yeah, girl, I, now, I, I you know I've. Does your family like make requests of you to send stuff home to them? Yeah, girl, yeah, I'm basically right? an <laughs> Amazon hub here. Yeah. What's like yeah. the weirdest thing they asked you to send to them? Ah, oh, dildos. Um, that that was not Somebody's mine. Their cell mine. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> they want you to send you? They want you to send them dildos? Yeah. Yeah, because they were. Why is that so shocking to you, Dan? Hello. Yeah, no, Dan, it, come it, on. Hey, hey, you are the one naked nobody. playing what puzzles. I'm is, right. Uh, next they don't have the numbers in Brazil. They make any <laughs> over there. They do, but expensive. everything there is more, more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Way more expensive. It's like whatever you pay $100 here would be around 15,000 reais, which would be 500, no, $300. That's like oh, Australia. Wow. At least Australia three times a, the yeah. price. Australia has the same great problem. way to send some cheap dick is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, I can help you with that. But I had some weird things coming and things that I didn't even know what it was. Because sometimes I have my friends coming uh, from Brazil and they buy everything. They mm. send to my place like clothing and stuff. And then they try everything here. And of course, I'm the idiot who has to go and return everything once they are gone because I have nothing else to do with my life. Um, but so I've been seeing like things like I, I I don't understand anything about music, but amplifiers, um, pieces of uh, guitars, uh, you name it. That's like my Amazon list. Uh, I'm actually scared if I'm ever gonna be judged by my purchase on Amazon. I'm, I'm screwed because there's so many things there I cannot explain. But yeah, it's it's. It's embarrassing. Like well, embarrassing, I think it's my my favorite word. Lately, uh, a, a woman told me one of our fellow comics. Her name is Alice Cutler, and she talks about in her set um, buying a house. And she talks about how they look at your, you know, they look at your income, but they also look at your spending. And she's just like, and you're getting these calls from the mortgage lender. And it's like, Miss Cutler, about this purchase at MedMen. Um, we see three of them, and they, you know, like, and, and so I'm just saying, like, you probably. Until you're ready to buy a house, uh, your purchases uh, like are private until that time. So don't worry about it. Um, Manu, last question. Um, you're a great comic. What was the hardest thing you talked earlier about the, you know, the language? Like, has it been tough or do you still find yourself having revelations about the differences between, you know, Portuguese and uh, American English, which is, you know, different from? All the time. All the okay. time. So many times I have to change a joke because I don't know if people are going to understand me or because I don't know how to pronounce the word or the word that I chose can can have like two different meanings like bitch and bitch. I'm like, did I say bitch or did they say beach? <laughs> and that can really fuck your joke. So I really have. OK, so well, maybe I should use whore. 
or, or something like that. But then the joke's not funny and then I have to remove it. And sometimes I have references that people do not understand, like putting a puzzle together naked on the floor and like, it's an American thing. And then so American. Tell everyone at yeah, home. Yeah, and it's like it's, it's a not. damn thing. It's a I damn really right? hope you get them doing it in Brazil. I've seen your TV, and I can't wait. Oh shit! And then you have <laughs> people saying that <laughs> you have people saying that the last uh, Brazilian waxing that they have was like a year ago. So I'm like, wait, what is she doing now? Is she braiding, Dana? Please. So uh, it is. You Dan's try beard. to think Dan's beard. I'll leave it at that. Mm. There you go. You can braid it. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's for a character. He just wants to make some money at the end of the year. Come on, guys. That's Santa. I'm not judging him. I would do the same if I could. If I could use my hair to make money, uh, but well, I'm Jewish, so I can basically use anything in my body to make money. Yeah, I would it. I I definitely would. Dan, wow. You have my vote. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, 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 science, it's hard right? as fuck and if anybody wants to correct my jokes um feel free to hit me up. i would love that like <laughs> no, the first love... time that my teacher said sorry i, I could you again uh, i'm brazilian i do this uh the first time that my teacher said let's give it up for manu i'm like why is she giving up on me and asking everybody to do the same oh <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. I, I, in my mind, give it up and give give up was the same thing. I'm like, was it that bad? And they're giving some, up on check with. Like, no, yeah, like, no, stay with no. me. No, but I, it took me a while. And I'm, of course, I have my ego, so I don't like to immediately ask. And I was like, no, wait, let's see how it goes. And then people are clapping. And then she was like, okay, keep giving it. I'm like, oh, so that what it means. So, okay, got it. Okay, so give up. Oh, it's giving up. But if you put it on it, you were like, praise the person and never give up on her. So, okay. okay. Weird Americans, weird. You do not make it easier for us. But yeah, some things like that are going to happen. <laughs> it, works the op it works the same way, though. Because when, when you hang out with a certain group of people, right? It doesn't matter if they're Brazilian, right? Or they're Mexican, Dominican, whatever. They always tell you, oh, go over and say this to this person. It means this, right? And it never means that. It's always, you know what I mean? And no. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and I would think that would make your comedy even funnier. Oh, thank you. It usually yeah. doesn't work, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I, I would take anything, girl. If it, that, I love the feeling that we have when we make people laugh. Um, if we can transform and change everything bad that is happening to us in a positive thing, to have a positive outcome and save someone else's day, you got me right there. What do I have to do? Because sometimes, especially now, as a volunteer at the hospital, I'm seeing so many cases of depression, anxiety, uh, overdose, because people are alone and having to face their ghosts and mm. like sometimes having to hide things that would be easier hiding if you had like a 12 hours lot of your day that you would be working and eight hours of your day that you would be sleeping. So. Some people are not okay with sexuality, with um, so much stuff. So if we as comedians can make their day just once, I think our job is done. We only need one laugh. 
at a time. But no, please, you all have to laugh because yeah, <laughs> you all suck if you don't. You're just racist. <laughs> I love that. You're taking other people's pain and making laughs. <laughs> That's what I got That's from that. I was like, she, she's like, I am going to suck up your bad energy, take all your shit, and going to make some fucking great jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what we do. I love it. I love you? it. Uh, Manu, thank you for coming to the broadcast. Thank you for being amazing, you guys. And, you know, to our audiences, uh, please follow Manu um, on at hashtag Manu. And it actually, Manu is like it sounds, M-A-N-U hashtag. Uh, and this is on Instagram, you guys. If you are somebody that's on here and you are on Clubhouse, please follow Manu Maciel. Yes, uh, I will follow yes. you and, and um, so that yes. you can learn more about what's going on at the Laugh Factory comedy workshops, plural, that are happening. And Manu is right there again. I feel like she's a soldier in the army of love. The soldier, I was a army. sergeant, now I'm a soldier. What okay, let's go back. To, but like, oh, you demoted her. Right, right. I just and got I, demoted. No, no, here, See, you that's what you people do with Brazilians. That is so no, bad. No, you got demoted to a, a, a Susie a thinks you're great, okay? So. Yes, yes, the puppy, the puppy, the puppy. Yes, uh, she got in the room, so I want to show. All right. Uh, it's, uh, and so gorgeous. And and she's a little black puppy. We love that. Um, in my mind, Manu, like Sade's record, uh, Soldier of Love, like came closing in because you're, you're literally your remarks. I hate I hate even talking after what you just said, because it was so profound. But it just is like to me, comedy is love. That's what I think. I think it that is. when people are laughing, they're listening. I heard Michael. I want to say Michael Yo, the comedian, say that. Um, and to me, that's what you're saying. And so my mind then started going, I'm a soldier of love. I don't know if anybody knows the song by Sade. But I love that song. And yeah, you are. Girl, Sade. Yes. Ooh, yes. Right? Awesome. Right, 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 right. Queen Taboo. I'm saying people right, from right. Brazil here, speaking Portuguese with the little flag. Ah! <laughs> see so, see that... what I have to endure? <laughs> <laughs> so, Not and thank even you, the same continent. And thank you, Van Lamartine, for coming on to the broadcast. Yeah. I, I'm guessing that you guys have not been here with us before. I don't like, so we're great. Uh, uh, and Natalie, uh, thanks for Natalie Kim. Thank you for coming on and being with us. You guys, we got a lot of great folks coming here tonight. Thank you, Manu. And thank you, Mistress K, our guest host, for bringing in, uh, for diversifying and continue to expand our crowd. With that, Manu, we know you got to run to Clubhouse and do your, do your, as I say, your thug thizzle. Um, and so um, I, I will see you. Hopefully I'll continue to see you in these streets, especially when the girls get together yes. again. And um, and um, and then I'll definitely see you on Clubhouse. You know how it goes. My best three yep. minutes. And thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Sorry I speak too much. I know. No, you're good. And, you're good. Um, Everything was awesome. Yeah. Thank you, you all say, I know that the moment I disconnect is like, girl, she never should. <laughs> um, but thank you no, for no, having no. me. It was really, really an honor, a pleasure. And love you well. Oh, yes. Night, night. 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 I'll be the same. You're, you're going to solve my life, Queen. Girl, we're going out for drinks. Oh, we're yeah. going out. We're going to get you drunk and you're going to get me married. That's what's yeah, going yeah, to happen. Point them out. I'll reel them in. Let's do it. <laughs> Shark and put a bear. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Manu. Is that a thing? Sorry, guys. I'm such an enabler. No, that's okay. That was that was an awesome interview, and that was a lot of fun. And we're going to get into uh, our little segment. It'll be a little bit shorter. It's a little segment. We'll, we'll little do less segment. than what we were normally were going to do. 
Yeah, it's a little. Uh, there you go, Mistress. <laughs> it's a little segment. We'd like to share our little thing. segment with you, everyone. Such we want to share segment. this little segment. <laughs> now, we're not going to read this whole thing if you want to. It's on Reader's Digest, but we are going to be reading it in certain voices. Dana, you've been doing voiceover work, and we'd like to hear some from you as well. Okay. I will go ahead and start it off with this one that I'm going to look up right now because I should have been more prepared. Anyway. Okay. All, shout out to Reader's Digest. Come on, like, come on. Like, uh, clap if you have, if you've ever held a Reader's Digest in your hand. If you've ever held one in your hand. When uh, I did the uh, newspaper paper out, all the elderly people used to give me stacks and stacks of them. Right, right, right. right. All right. I feel like and the Reader's Digest was always like toilet reading, right? It was like always near while you're taking shit, right? <laughs> yeah, that one that one writer you just use their pages in case the toilet paper's out because you don't like their stuff anyway. Um, so <laughs> I swear <laughs> I swear I'm not dead. In 1708, Gulliver's Travels on author Jonathan Swift set up an epic April Fool's prank by pretending to be an astrologer by the name of Isaac Bickerstaff. He published a set of predictions, the most notable of which was a celebrity astrologer at the time, John Partridge, would die at March 29th. On March 30th, Swift circulated the anonymous account of Partridge's death of fever, and on April 1st, someone knocked on Partridge's door to set up the funeral arrangements. Partridge, of course, was alive and well. But for the rest of his life, he would have to insist he was not dead. The prediction finally came true seven years later, without Partridge ever finding out the real identity of Isaac Bickerstaff. We're here to tell who told the truth. Okay. Um, anyways, think about this. The guy who wrote Gulliver's Travels made a guy defend that he was still alive for the rest of his life. Yeah, from an tragic. April Fool's joke. This is this is now. If you think about it, it's really weird because that means databases were just as screwed up back then. Uh, did we have databases back then? <laughs> well, we had they scrolls, were, girl. Yeah, they had digest was in print. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's next? The Dred Scott? Like, I was at the Supreme Court with you know. Anyway, Sorry. <laughs> that might be an American history joke there. So, uh, so, Dana, so did I this guy get to avoid taxes every year? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It didn't say. I know. Wait. Oh, man. He probably got to, like, avoid so many weird family get-togethers, too. Um, right. No, Nick, yours are always great. I like the Sonora dogs. Uh, uh, I swear I did. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Dana, I'd like you to read this one because I wonder if you remember this one. Okay. First of all, nothing says mother of the church like reading glasses. Uh, here I go. Uh, whoppers for South Paws. Um, and let me just say that this small print is discriminatory. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. On April 1st, 1998, Burger King announced it would now offer a version of the Whopper that had been carefully designed for left-handed folks. The joke was on Burger King, however, when stores across the country were flooded with orders for the left-handed Whopper. Turns out your favorite fast food oh, chains have been <laughs> Oh, I forgot to tell everybody, you got to stop on the last sentence because the rest of okay, it's just I'm, for a link I'm, that you go to and yeah, that makes you buy on on the hyperlink. Hyperlink. Stop on the hyperlink. That's funny only because <laughs> in my mind, 
I'm just like, it's round. What would make it a left-handed burger over a right-handed burger? Like who fell for that? That's what I'm trying to understand. Like who fell for that for real? In 1998, shoot, I had actually just moved. I've been, I've been living here a year. Um, it's like the same thing with the Twix right and the Twix left. Now you know it, I mean? it's like, well, which way are you, which way is the label? Cause it yeah. could be right or left. It could be right or left. Oh. I, who fell for that? That's, that's me. That's what I would say. What but is that is the, what's the next one, Dan? Oh, you're done with this one? Cool. Um, no. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go, Stefan. Why don't you uh, read this one? And then... Sure. I can't get to the thing, everyone. Look okay. at me. There we go. A cliffhanger. Okay. Go for it, Stefan. Let's see. A cliffhanger. In 2001, a DJ in England decided to prank his listeners on April 1st by broadcasting that a ship that looked... Suspiciously, suspiciously like the Titanic could be seen from the cliffs at Beachy Head in East Essex, London. Hundreds of listeners believed him, trekking to the cliffs to catch a glimpse. Unfortunately, all the foot traffic caused a large crack in the cliff face. A few days later, later it fell into the sea. Hilarious. <laughs> now, boy, boy, they were lucky there was nobody else there the day that fell. I would say no injury to report, but just uh, a shifting of earth, literally. <laughs> now, Mistress K, your voiceover talents. Oh, man. <laughs> I hope it's a good one because these have been kind of lame. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 I see how it is. Are you ready? Yes. Take us to right? your leader. A newspaper in Jordan ran an April 1st, 2010 article claiming a UFO had landed near the town of Jafar. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, the mayor of Jafar responded was evacuating 13,000 people facing a potential lawsuit. The newspaper apologized publicly saying we meant to entertain, not scare people. Oh, boy. Sounds almost yeah. like that uh, radio broadcast back in the day of War of the Worlds. Yeah. Well, like, I don't understand why people think, like, like this whole alien thing is, like, a new thing. You know what I mean? Like, like are, are we really thinking that we're the only life force in the entire universe? Uh, it's not prop. It, there's a small probability we are, but mostly the probability is we are not like with what the elements are in the universe. One of the funniest things to me is every time we see an unidentified flying object are the people go oh, aliens. It's like, how about Russians? They build <laughs> shit too. <laughs> how about we just don't know where it came from? How about Russian it? aliens? How about, how about, I don't know. The Norwegians, they might be making UFOs. What about the Greenlanders? They could be making them. How about, 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 how about a no the plane way. that fell off from West Palm Beach? I mean, right. Really. <laughs> <laughs> right. what about we're just, it's just not even conceivable that we are the only ones in the whole galaxy. Like, that's just like, to me, that is whether you have data or not, it is just, the galaxy is huge. And, and I think it's just, it is, you know, what do you say? Um, it is propaganda it is racist space propaganda that we are the only people 
in this whole galaxy. Just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. Like, I, I would just want to see those people like, come on, Stephanie. I told you they were coming. Get your stuff. Let's go. We're getting out of here. Like, where are you going to go? Like, they're right. aliens. They will find you. Right, right, right. Exactly. If, if they made it here, wherever you're going, they will make it there. And you guys, obviously, when I say racist, I don't necessarily mean like within culture. I'm just saying that the idea that it's just us seems awfully myopic in my opinion. Like that is, what is that? Like earth supremacy? Like we are the same. Yeah. We are the only yeah. ones. Like, did, they, did they call Will Smith and let him they? know that the fat lady didn't sing because there's another one flying up there? Like what's <laughs> happening here? Well, that was my point with but with the, the whole thing where we go straight to UFOs is if other countries can't actually build shit. Like they could right. have built something we don't know how to build yet. We're not the first to make everything in America. Right. Come on. <laughs> you know? Yes, like, we are. What are you talking about? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. They're listening. They're listening. Now, uh, definitely got to share this one. I'll, I'll go ahead and read this one better than the other one, which okay. actually Stefan remembers that one tongue twisted me last time. Oh. Too, so I thought I'd do better. But this one is one of my favorites of all time. Poisoned by DHMO on April first. No, I do got to do a different voice. What should I? What should I do? Mr. K, pick something. Do a high pitch one. Do a high pitch one. Do a high pitch voice. Okay. Poisoned by DHMO on April first, two thousand two. A couple of Kansas City DJs announced that the local water supply had been found to contain high levels of dihydrogen monoxide. Whose <laughs> effects included sweating, urination, skin burning. Hundreds of citizens flooded the water department and the police with distressed phone calls. Oh no! Too bad the hydrogen monoxide is actually H2O, the chemical name for water. Yeah, stupid assholes. The DJs were widely <laughs> criticized and accused of terrorism. Terrorism! I couldn't tell it the first time with this goddamn voice. By the one <laughs> government official, in 2013, two Florida DJs pulled the same break, resulting in clamor that got the DJ slammed off the air. Newly saddled with felony charges where they would be put in jail and become someone else's bitch forever and ever. <laughs> you know the last part was. Oh, that wasn't there? Shit. Okay. I Brazilian wax. Great job, Dan. Great job. Yes. <laughs> it kind of hurt towards the end. I think I broke on one word. I'm going to have to go back and watch the tape. Yes. That's uh, pretty crazy an that uh, people got fooled and instead of looking it up, they, uh, wow. Hmm. Well, you were the well, well, um, Americans are very smart. What can we say? <laughs> what can we say? What can we America. say? America. <laughs> um, we're going to go just a little bit. Wait, I don't know what order we went in originally, but I think that if Dana would like to read this in a voice of Stefan's choosing. Um, oh, she can read it however she likes. <laughs> oh, you wussed out. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Let me just say that too much was happening. Like the woman's outfit, the ad over there, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, like I saw a pregnant pause and then I saw, I was like, well, she's not pregnant. What's going on? The picture does not go with the words, Dana. Uh, <laughs> pregnant. Okay. Oh. Now, what happened? Oh, okay. I did there was be our last one. Okay. Pregnant pause. <laughs> one of my favorite things. For April Fool's Day of 2013, 18-year-old Tori Wheeler of Tulsa, Oklahoma, pranked her boyfriend, Derek Bauer, by pretending she was pregnant. Wheeler. Upset that Bauer didn't find her prank as funny as she'd hoped, 
ended up pulling a knife on him and the police ended up having to settle the matter. Predictably, she later said the knife was yet another prank. Don't prank with knives, kids. And if you want your prank, uh, if you want to prank your boyfriend, maybe pull something from the list of, you know, something else. Yeah. I think, I just think that was like, I don't know, like 18 years old. That's that, that's, uh, that is when they say that youth is wasted on the young, this <laughs> is that moment right there. Like you had all the pranks and you chose that prank. Like, I don't know, Tori Wheeler, bless your heart. Uh, it is, yeah, that's 20. What is that? Wow. That was eight years ago. So wonder what you're pranking, what you're doing now, Tori Wheeler, bless your heart. <laughs> I think a lot of guys watching. She's still oh, she's... in jail for attempted murder. <laughs> for yeah, attempted murder. I think a lot of guys. Have... Yeah. It wasn't enough of a pregnant pause from the boyfriend. So, okay. I think a lot of guys have dated a girl like this, you know, the kind that goes, why are you mad? You're such a pussy. It was just like a little <laughs> bullet. A just a little bullet. Okay. Right. <laughs> I only grazed your baby toe. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, I saw an ad on Craigslist where you could buy positive pee sticks. <laughs> Why is there a market for this? That's terrible. I misheard you. I thought they were pee positive sticks, like people that, like, yay, pee, but you're actually talking about pregnancy tests that. Yeah. That's no, that's mean as fuck, dude. That's so mean. It's better than a knife, I guess. I but the, here's what bothers me about that it didn't tell how he reacted like what did he do that made her go off the deep end and pull a knife uh, I don't know he probably blamed her cheating on some him with somebody else he's like I knew you were screwing the neighbor <laughs> <laughs> I knew you looked at that pool boy a little differently Oh, oh, boy. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> all I don't right. Like, but did anybody do any pranks today? Uh, my kid no. tried to pull one on me, but it's, you know she's seven years old, so it's. I know. <laughs> Daddy, what color coloring crown am I holding? Is it green or blue? We're uh, about that's, to get that's, to. That's red. Yeah, we're about to get to a guest, but I have to tell you the worst one I ever did to my mom, and I I never did another one. Is someone told me about the saran wrap on the toilet thing, and I did it when I was young, and I just I can hear it to this day. Fucking kids! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd have made the kids clean it up. That's what well, I would have done. We played a prank on my boss one time where we went in and we uh, wrapped everything in their office and like paper. Like wrapping paper, we wrapped everything, oh. and it it took us like four hours before work, but it was so priceless. It was like worth the three minutes that it took that that they saw it. <laughs> All right, let's let's bring up our awesome guest. Yay. So we have this comedian rocks, and like um, we were okay. I was having a, a conversation recently with Paul Moonjean, not recently, uh, but whenever we had it. Uh, like actually, I think it was when Paul was on here. Yeah. We were laughing at the the idea that like in the world of comedy, uh, lawyers tend to want to be comics, and they are just I just we just all think that you know they are. They just happen to be the group with the most disposable income and able to try the most careers of anybody because they can do anything. Mm -hmm. Because it's always interesting where you find attorneys, but attorneys in the world of comedy 
are fantastic and we love it. And tonight we welcome someone who like strikes this incredible. If we talk about the scales of justice, whether she's blind or not, um, the scales are balanced. This is someone who is the uh, legal director for the Innocence Project, uh, the incredible uh, project in the work based out of Seattle, Washington, for dealing with uh, those who've been wrongly convicted, as well as an incredible stand-up comedian, uh, spending time on stages uh, here in Los Angeles and balancing that life and just has great things on the horizon. Please welcome to the broad broadcast, Christopher Graves, you guys. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, how's it going? How you doing? How you doing? Good, welcome good. Stephanie, Dan, Mrs. K, and of course, the wonderful Dana. Thank you for having me. I really am excited to be here tonight. And uh, I have to say, you know, Dana, I don't uh, want you to roast me. So I come bearing gifts and I paid attention um, earlier tonight. And this is for you. I'm going to open it up just so you can see your viewers. Okay. Um, this was done by a friend of mine from seventh grade. And I want you oh, to see wow. that design there. Oh. Wow, that's nice. And wow. that says, of course, when there were nine, oh. uh, which is what, uh, you know, uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg said when someone asked her, uh, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court? And she said, when there are nine. Wow. And I thought it was the greatest answer. Uh, and I've also got uh, for you and oh. some of the other hosts, we got some stickers too. So, Ooh, you know, nice. everyone that loves those, including Mistress K, you know, I uh, come bearing gifts. So hopefully y'all will treat me nice. If you ever had, you know, I'm an old lobbyist. If, if you know, all you need to do is just bribe someone, and then, you know, maybe they'll treat you nice. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, Mr. Graves. I think you coming here and going against my run for Supreme Court office was pretty, you know, up there. I, you know, the great thing about it is you don't have to have a law degree or be a lawyer to be appointed to the to the Supreme Court. Most people don't know that. That's and so crazy. I think it's high time. You want to talk about discrimination? I think it's high time we have a comedian. That would be awesome. Oh, but that would be wonderful. Know. Let's bring some levity to some of these decisions. Yeah. Right? And you'll have a job for life. Which yeah, I mean, you get appointed for life. <laughs> you know, and how weird can you be? How much can you do a set where you don't give a doggone at all if you got a job for life? <laughs> that's what i think about it you know yeah. every morning you're like i'm just going to my gig <laughs> no. now you know what i do so that brings me to a couple of questions about like being on the supreme court this is so i and so um that first of all you've blown my hair back like you know like even when i was i'll say this when i was an undergrad and um at xavier university in new orleans they have um, a great, there's these two great summer programs for students. One is called SOAR, Stress on Analytical Reasoning. And so all the kids in New Orleans, local or local to Louisiana who wanted to, were eventually gonna attend Xavier for pre-med because it's one of the greatest, like just like, how do you say, factories for turning out black doctors in America, whether going to African-American medical schools or, you know, PY, PWI medical schools. But Excel, which was the other program, like focused on people who were interested in the humanities, interested in law because Xavier did not have a law school. And one of the things that I learned even back then was that if you wanted to go to medical school or if you wanted to go to law school, you did not have to be a pre-med major. All you had to do was know what are the course requirements to get into law school. And that doesn't, you could be a theater major and go to medical school as long as you completed the course requirements, the coursework, you know, the, and, and, and vice versa the same. So how do, how does the world not know that you don't have to have, what are you saying? You don't have to be a lawyer? Like what is it you, to be on the Supreme Court? Yeah, you don't court? have to be a lawyer to be on the Supreme Court. Um, 
And, you know, when you talk about when you talk about, uh, you know, going to law school, I mean, listen, uh, you know, my brother, uh, I have two brothers that are both lawyers, two younger brothers. I'm very proud of them. And my brother James was a math major and went to, to law school. My youngest brother uh, is an entertainment lawyer, but, you know, he was a music uh, music technology major at Jackson mm. State University, Jeffrey. Oh, nice. And so neither of these guys, you know, you know, took the traditional political science or English route to get to law school. Uh, and uh, there have been people on the Supreme Court who were not lawyers. Uh, typically, they may have been senators or they came from some other area of politics. Uh, so, you know, I think if we can get, you know, someone on the Supreme Court who has a little comedy in them, uh, you know, has some good jokes, uh, you know, that that might that might be good for us. Just no reality stars. I'm kind of tired of the reality stars. I don't need any, we don't need any more reality stars. So, <laughs> We're all people. starring in reality and sometimes the show sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting because I also learned like, you know, there's the popular judge show, Judge Maybelline. Mm -hmm. That was when I learned that Judge Maybelline is not a judge. Like yeah. I didn't know. And Judge Maybelline, for that matter, may not be a lawyer. But what I knew, what I found out for sure at that time, because I was working uh, for an agent, I found out quickly that she's not a judge and that the folks on these judge shows are not judges like so it, i feel like there's a whole my a friend told me that right. and i was like you mean the people on judge judy aren't real i like was that. like crushed crushed right yeah i mean i wish it sort of worked like that where you could just go on television and you didn't really have to be the thing but everyone sort of treated you like that you know what i mean dr Phil. i'd go i'd go on tv and just pretend like you know i was rich you know <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. My dad used to tell me, say, you know, if you act like you got a million dollars and you walk like you got a million dollars, some people will actually believe you have a million dollars. That doesn't work for me, though. Uh, but, uh, you know, something you were saying, Dana, that I, I push back a little bit. You know, you said that, um, uh, you know, um, lawyers. Uh, what was it? I think you said, you know, oh, like, of, hey, you guys, to me, y'all are like, like, I don't know. How do I how did I say it? I was just trying to say that I feel like lawyers are the ones who show up in all the other fields wanting to do other things. And I, I didn't, we'd have to look back at the recording. My, the way that I said it, I can't repeat. And I say that just <laughs> not because of comedy, but I've also come from education. All of the lawyers want to be like, I, I've never seen a field where people put in so much time to be that thing and then want to jump ship to these other things. Yeah, because most people don't really enjoy practicing law. Um, it, you know, I do. I think it's a, a great profession. Um, it's really labor intensive. And then, you know, it's really hard to make money as a solo practice or individual lawyer. I think most people think lawyers make a lot of money. And I think by ABA statistics, the average lawyer makes $65,000. Uh, oh, you know, this Well, you know, I mean, it's like between 56 <laughs> and 65. Not that that's a bad salary. Um, but, you know, there are people that think, oh, you know, if you're a lawyer, you make six figures. And the problem with this is, you know, when you're in solo practice like I was, people don't want to pay their lawyers. Now, I don't want to say it like, woe is, woe is the lawyers or whatever, but, you know, you're not going to skip out on paying your doctor, right? Right. You're not going to skip out on paying your insurance. But, you know, people with their lawyers are kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, you yeah. got the money. Didn't um, Trump do that to Giuliani? Uh, well, hey. <laughs> Trump, Trump, Trump's not paying Giuliani. If anyone's well, there you go. That, Another example of the lawyer. Yeah. Um, the best example I can give you of this, though, is and, and this is I can't make this up. You know, I, uh, I did criminal defense work back in Mississippi and I had a client. She came to me and she was charged with credit card fraud. 
And, you know, we sat down and we talked about a case and she said, well, you know, Miss Grace, how much you charge? And I told her. And uh, she said, well, uh, you take credit cards, don't you? <laughs> I'm like, Why you. is somebody laughing at that? That is hilarious. Like, I'm dumbfounded, but yes, these things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I had a client, um, and, you know, and, and it's funny because I'm the one person that you can't lie to. Right. As a criminal defense lawyer that you don't have to. Right. Um, but clients, sometimes I think they, you know, that maybe they just have a hard time kind of coming out with the facts. I had a client one time. He got busted with a whole bunch of weed, a uh, bunch of marijuana back, you know, when it was, you know, illegal. less legal. And uh, and uh, I think he tried to convince Dark me it was rabbit food. And I'm thinking, <laughs> hmm, yeah, sure. That's why you have those 25s on your truck, because you've been breeding rabbits, right? That's how you right. get them. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can sell a lot keep, of them. The rabbits keep breeding and the wheels keep spinning. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> <Some> hungry rabbits. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. That's funny. Now, I, 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 we definitely, I know we want to definitely get to how you started in comedy, but interestingly enough, I was on um, a Zoom with my comedy buddy earlier today. Um, and, and you like just brought up a ton of stuff. And we were actually talking about the Dred Scott decision. And we were talking about uh, uh, who I guess was Chief Justice Roger B. Taney mm -hmm. at that time. And um, and we were just talking about like kind of, you know, just all of that in general. And like, um, I don't know, you just like you like it's just funny because we were having this conversation today about these, you know, his he wrote this what. They, you know, they did not, uh, what Dred Scott did not, what win his case, but, uh, but then Roger B. Taney took it to this other level and wrote this, you know, crazy, but now very famous position, you know, about the black man never having rights that a white man would ever. And never will uh, in and that. Never, yeah, never will. He was, you know, trying to speak for eternity on it. But like, like, what is the day, what is a day in the life? Whatever you know, uh, uh, Christopher, I'm about to call you Charles. Please forgive me. Right. What is a day in the life of a of a justice on a Supreme Court or on a bench? Like, like I guess that's very different. So let's go back. Like, what's what do you what do you know about the day in life of a justice on the Supreme Court? Like, when they wake up and go to work at nine, do they go to work at nine? Like, how does that work? You know, I don't know about the uh, the Supreme Court. Um, I've been blessed to know quite a few um, judges um, at the state and and at the federal level, and I know that uh, much of the work is reviewing not only the briefs of opposing counsel, uh, but there's also a lot of legal research involved. And you've got you know some clerks to help you with that, but there's a lot of reading to the job because you know the thing that you have to do as the court and was impressed upon me when I, I clerked uh, for a federal judge is you've got to get it right. It's got to be you know pretty much perfect uh, because the court sets the standard. And if the court doesn't do the research right or the, if the court's you know brief or research or opinion is sloppy, then what kind of standard are you holding the lawyers to? Uh, so there's a lot of research. There's a lot of writing. Uh, I think there's a big focus on getting the right decision. Uh, and, and that's what I think a lot of the job is, you know, it's not outside of the administrative stuff. Trial mm -hmm. judges, I think, may have it a different uh, way. You know, obviously, trial judges are, you know, when the case is being tried, you know, to a jury or to a bench, if it's a bench trial, um, you know, there still is a lot of reading, I think, of, of briefs and motions uh, or requests. Mm -hmm. Uh, by uh, by the parties uh, to make a decision. But when judges try a case, they have to make a decision on the spot about the evidence and what's coming in and what's staying out. 
And I'll, I'll go back briefly to what you said about the Dred, Dred Scott decision. Um, what is interesting about that decision, and I think what was so um, probably striking to me when I was in law school and read it, is that when you think about the history of this country, and that the first person to die for this country in the Revolutionary War, in the, you know, the Boston Tea Party, uh, the Boston Massacre, first person to die for this country, uh, which, you know, the events that led to the Revolutionary War was Crispus Attucks, uh, uh, uh Native American uh, and African-American man. And it's interesting to me that, you know, African-Americans have, along with, you know, other, you know, ethnicities in this country have been involved in the struggle for the freedom of this country and its democracy since the very beginning. Uh, and when you think about that, I think that's the thing that, you know, really underscores the, the, the just the terrible atrocity of the Dred Scott decision is right. because, you know, Justice Taney is talking about how, you know, African-American men can never be citizens, uh, yet, you know, you know African-American men and women have, you know, contributed to this country since before it was founded. Uh, and to me, I think the most American thing that you can have is the immigrant or Native American experience, because all of us come to this country a different way. Uh, so, you know, to me, you know, I had a friend of mine the other day, she said, well, you know, you don't really eat any American food. You eat all this ethnic food. And I'm thinking, well, ethnic food is American. That's what it is. We all come from a different place. So, you know, and I digress a little bit with that, but, you know, you, you, you talked about Dred Scott, so I had to say something about it. So, you know, it's a, it's a very passionate place and we're in the springtime, we're in April. So this would represent if it's 2007, 2007 was 150 years from the decision. It's now been what, 14, so we're talking about 165, 64 years uh, on the decision. So, or something, my, my math just went really bad, 14, 164 years. So next year will be 165 years on the decision. Um, we have to have a whole nother podcast about it because we had some very, very, um, just me and my comedy buddy so that we can get back to comedy. Me and my comedy buddy ended up having these conversations today because we were talking about, um, about diversity and race in America. And, um, she just talked about, you know, as I talked about, you know, the disparities and the inequities and the inequalities and talked about the 13th, you know, she was unaware of the 13th amendment. She was unaware of different things. She was unaware because I was explaining to her that in other parts of the world, understand that 13, 14 million Africans were taken from the continent in slavery. America only got three to 4 million. The bulk went to Brazil and throughout the Caribbean. But mm -hmm. in this country, we've done this country and, and systemic, systemic racism and systemic, systemic, what I'm going to call perception has been built because once slaves were freed, then our freedom was criminalized. It like it was criminalized to not have a job, but if you're not going to hire someone, then they won't have a job. So then mm -hmm. vagrancy, being a vagabond, not having a job, not whatever, all of that gets criminalized instantly when you become free and then no one will hire you. So there you there's there's no wall. And I was just explaining to her like for example in South America, freedom came in 1810, but then that was it. There was no 13th Amendment, no Black Codes, no Jim Crow, no segregation, no none of that, no decade after decade after decade of continued oppression upon people who had then been freed from the institution. So we were just, so that's, and that was kind of how the Roger B. Taney conversation came up because we well, were talking- it because of segregation? It was, say that again? it was because of segregation. Like the reason why racism has occurred in this country is because we have segregated each other from certain groups. 
Whereas right, if you're looking at South America, there is no segregation. Right, right. But but to that point, Mistress K, but after they after the slaves were freed, there was nothing. In this country, segregation is the third tier. You had black crows, Jim Crow, and then segregation. So you had already built, they had built so many systems had been built even before segregation came along to create a systemic perception. Uh, or that leads to a systemic perception of people of color, particularly black people. But again, like you said, in, in South America, all these other places where more slaves actually were taken than in this country, people once freed were free to be whatever they wanted to do. I'm not, I would never say that, you know, there may not be some colorism issues because we've heard quite the contrary, but it's different as you know, Mistress K and all of us when all of the systems have a way to be continually stacked against a certain group and and that every time a system is created um then another system gets created and so i'll end it here because what was interesting about it two things people always say slavery was a long time ago and it was but black codes black codes jim crow segregation all of the things that continued it were not first and then second because she said well you know but i am you know i'm not a rich white person we're not i said i understand that and you are correct i said but the problem is there is not a legacy of criminalization of white poverty in this country. There has always been from the, you know, from freeing the slaves a criminalization of the very existence of black people in some form. And so that's why you have these systemic perceptions that exist and then have only, you know, you give people nowhere to turn. And then when people make these other choices, then you're mad about those choices, but they've you know, another show, another show. Let's talk about comedy. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. I, I think you're another right. Show, another show. The thing, the thing I want to say, when people say slavery was a long time ago. Um, wasn't. You know. It wasn't. Not that long ago. It, well, right. it certainly wasn't that long ago. It's still uh, happening today. I mean, look I at think, things that are in Mexico. Right. I think we, we, we started doing modern science before it was ended. That's, it's not that long ago. Yeah, not that long ago. And yeah, the modern scientific method. And and to be candid, I think that there's a book that uh, I I, I want to read more. I haven't had time, but uh, nowadays I pick up a book and just kind of put it on the shelf and stare at it, and I feel feel good about getting it. And I hope I wish I could read it. Right? There's a book called Cast. Uh, oh and my gosh! Right, and that book you know talks about the the you know kind of the separation of resources and what human beings do to each other to separate resources. I mean, you know, you want to talk about slavery not being that long ago. Neither was the Chinese Exclusion Act. And you look at the modern day sort of events that are occurring, uh, you know, in the Asian and Pacific Islander community. You know, that harkens back to that. You know, yep. the things that African-Americans experienced, Voting Rights Act, Georgia, you know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, back in, you know, 19, you know, before 65 or what have you, that, you know, people were paying poll taxes. Uh, and so, I think that people forget sometimes, uh, you know, maybe it's a, a generational thing or maybe it's because, you know, things are perceived at many times as being, uh, you know, easier. But people forget that, you know, women got the right to vote like back in the 20s and 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 even for African-American women later. Uh, and, and that wasn't that long ago. Uh, and, you know, we look at the way that we hold, you know, female politicians to an entirely different standard that we do men. Uh, so, you know, I said all that to say there's a, a long list of things that we do, unfortunately, in this country systemically, you know, racism included, you know, sexism included, you know, all kinds of isms, unfortunately, to separate the resources uh, of people that have those 
from the people that don't have those or that you do not want to have those. Mm -hmm. And, then, and that's unfortunate. And I hope we, we do something to overturn that. So mm -hmm. step by step. How did you get into comedy? Because <laughs> uh, like, they, they know that they, everybody knows me. If you if you and if you know me even beyond this, then this is the this is that's the shit I could talk about all motherfucking day. I can talk about comedy all day. My cousin Pamela Williams asked a question. Well, no, I'm talking about and I'm talking about the other shit, the shit that we were just talking about. But yes, I could also talk about comedy all day. So, but I'm just saying the other stuff, I will crawl into holes upon holes talking about. You know, systemic inequities, you know, all these other things. But no, yeah, it tell needs us to about be discussed. It needs to be discussed. I don't think they can talk about it enough. Unfortunately, sometimes it's kind of a downer. Uh, but right, you know, right, right. So when did you start? When did you start making people laugh? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dana. No, when did you start making people laugh? Uh, well, I so I started making people laugh. Um, you know, probably when I was when uh, they were in uh, handcuffs. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, probably I started when I was when I was six years old. Um, and my cousin Pamela, who asked that question, actually will tell this story the best. Um, my grandmother asked, I asked my grandmother for some money for ice cream or something, and she wouldn't give it to me. So I went in her uh, uh, purse and I took the money out and I shoved it like in her shoes, and she couldn't find it. Uh, the uh, the whooping I received that day was epic. Um, but then there's something else I did where I switched the sugar and the salt containers. And, uh, and I'm sure you all can appreciate this for Thanksgiving. We made sweet potato pie and oh. you know, my family's cut up sweet potato pie. This is a big deal. And they take a piece and put it in her mouth. And she's like, this tastes kind of bad. And everyone knows just, I'm just bad. So they figured out that I switched the salt and the sugar that whooping was epic and so uh you know i came to comedy through a, through a lot of pain I, th I would say probably very early on. <laughs> yes uh you know me and comedy have a complicated relationship uh, but you know uh after i finished my federal clerkship i moved to los angeles and uh you know i i really love acting and so uh my first love was acting and you know doing auditions is great but you you don't get a lot of time on stage uh, and I always loved doing comedy. You know, I I listened to Richard Pryor on cassette when I was way too young to be listening to that. Uh, you know, I listened to Eddie Murphy Raw, uh, no, Delirious, excuse me, on cassette when I was way too young to be listening to that. It was my uncle's old cassettes. Uh, and so when I moved to Los Angeles in 2012, uh, I just thought I'd try it, you know, just because I wanted to get on stage. Uh, and I ended up falling in love with it, it, you know, all over again. And I love comedy. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because I realized that I had been inserting comedy in my law practice all along, you know, uh, coming up in front of juries or, you know, coming up in, in, you know, in cases, using comedy as a way to connect to a jury or connect to a judge. Uh, and so for me, it was just very natural to sort of stand up in front of a crowd and tell jokes without the fear of being sanctioned or fined. And, you know, it was great. So, so what I got from that is that you're a masochist because you went from a, you go from a job that just like beats you up and then you do another job at night, which beats you up again. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't get enough. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what's your safe word? Yeah, yes. what's your safe word? Morehouse, yeah. Morehouse. Morehouse yeah. is a safe word. Pineapple. Pineapple. Oh. Pineapple. 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 Oh, God, pineapple. everybody picks a fruit. <laughs> Just not on I'm, pizza, please. <laughs> when I, I hear that, I, I want to eat. 
Oh, my favorite safe word, and I know I'm taking this from some other comedian, but I I, I know someone else did this joke, was uh, my favorite safe word is boring. Oh, Ooh, that's, that's a good one. I don't know if you want to use that one, though. That might get you a might might little extra, extra beating on that one. Yeah, that gets you a little more trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. You're getting, you know, you can pop pretty hard with that paddle, and you're like, boring. I can't move. <laughs> that's like when i was a kid and i got whooped with an extension cord i don't think i could ever say that my mom you know this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you boring i mean i I just wouldn't be alive his leg fell off what happened yeah he can't talk he's moving funny what happened oh you know he told his mama that his whooping was boring <laughs> you know, one one of the favorite things I ever heard of a mom saying was uh was uh a kid told the uh my wife's aunt that I'm gonna call social services on you. And her aunt said, Fine, if you do that, I'll hit you until they get here. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, my mom. I tried that with my mom one time. I said, you know, I'm gonna call social services, and I think I picked up the phone and called service social services. And my mom said, "Yeah, you can do that, but when they get over here, I'm gonna whoop them and you." Oh, and I, there you, go. There you, you go. know, she's kind of crazy, so I don't think I'm gonna fool with her. Yeah, but you so, know, it's funny. I have a six-year-old and a one-year-old, and they just get away with so much. You know, they get away with so much. Uh, you know, and and of course, I you know, I don't want to whoop them, and I, I wouldn't whoop them, but. You know, they they kind of know that I think, and so they try me. Uh, you know what I mean? Test your patience. Yeah, they test me. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey man, you know, we got to take off the clothes and go to bed. No, we don't. I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. You know, I go downstairs. My son's watching TV. You know, I, I get in front of the television. Pass by. He's like, Daddy, move out the way. <laughs> you move, Daddy. I'm like, you're blocking. You start playing the house note. You know what I mean? <laughs> Daddy, can you leave my room? I'm like, hey, son, you know, these are the bills to the house. Um, your name is on none of them. Uh, that's, you know, right. that's right. But, yes. <laughs> but he's just cute enough to, you know, get away with it. I remember when I was trying to get him potty trained when he was about three years old. Uh, and, you know, he comes to me and, uh, he, you know, he, he's trying to get potty trained. And I, I say to him, I say, whoop, we're outside in the backyard. I say, whoop, Gabe, I feel it in my body. I got to go to the potty. He looks at me. I go to the potty. I come back and he's like, Daddy. I said, Yes, yeah, son. Did you go to the potty? I said, Yeah, I go to the potty. Did you go poo poo in the potty? I said, Yes, yeah, son. That's what big boys do. I went poo poo in the potty. Why? I said, Well, son, you go poo poo in the potty. I felt it in my body. And I swear my son gives me the sweetest look he's ever given me and says, I'm so proud of you, Daddy. Your kid's gonna be a master manipulator. If I could just get you to wipe your butt, that would be great. Yes. Uh, You know, six year olds, they don't even try, they don't even attempt it. You know what I mean? Like, what's that in your underwear? You put it all? No. You're not even gonna try. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Because, like, I'm going through that now, and I am not a parent. I am a parent two days of the week. And the laundry, I'm just like, okay, those are throwaway panties. Like you are, oh, yeah. these are not coming back to you. <laughs> oh yeah, kids get lazy. They get lazy. They're like, if you don't wipe it, they're like, eh. Well, they also go through, you know, changes where there's more sweat and things happen too. So you got to kind of, you know, that could happen too. Well, you know, I've caught myself being, you know. I'm sorry, wait, wait. 
Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Hold on. Like, what do we mean by sweat and those things? So, I don't even so, like. I have so, a son, and we certainly went through some work to, know, to get. But... And it's and it's tough because let me just say this: as a single mother trying to raise a boy and trying to get him to do, and it, and we're not talking. I wish we were talking about the potty training years. Where I'm talking about bigger than that because right, right, right. It's the greasy period. It's it's when they're not learning that their body has changed, and if oh, you dude, don't do a little bit more, well. But a per, a certain part of puberty, like the greasy period, it's it's this little period, and like that's when your your body has changed to where you need to worry about ass sweat suddenly in a way you didn't have to before. Well, yeah, if you go through puberty, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, the way, by the way, this yes. Nick guy, this Nick guy is giving me life. Nick Crew, you are giving me life, sir. Like I am dying at his comments. Yep, <laughs> he always has a great one. <laughs> All right, there, and that's funny. Okay, so yeah, nice. okay, all right, all right, all right. And I, I promise I'll leave it here. And Chris, because we have we want to interview, we want to hear what you have to yes. say. I'm my son is now past puberty. This is just I didn't know that's what we were dealing with. So there's a greasy period. Like this is something I didn't know. Maybe I didn't even know to Google this. Like I didn't know that that's. I thought one of the troubles that we certainly had was he became, and this is something I did by accident. Um, he became intolerant to dairy earlier, probably mm -hmm. than he would have, because I yeah. thought. I already okay. thought he was intolerant. So I was, I had already changed him over to like rice milk and things in this house. But of course at school, they're only giving out dairy. Yep, and I'm trying to say to him, don't drink it. But then I, you know, but then I, I'm not necessarily sending what he needs. So then he's, you know, he's drinking it. And, and then obviously we come home and, and then there's a problem. But I, what I'm trying to then fathom in my mind is this greasy period, because I just had no idea. I just feel like, you know what? You know what? Let me do this. That's another show. That is another show. Let us <laughs> you, you learn to live with it. You John Travolta. It. It's part Olivia of growing up. John Greece. Yeah, All right, look, look. I'm sorry. I I do have a remedy, but I say now, you know, and it's just something, Chris. I've been working with in sets because I truly believe this. I believe it is the 21st century. I believe that toilet tissue is a wipe without moisture, and I believe that we are past the stage of really believing that a wipe with no moisture is doing jobs one and jobs two in the bathroom. Babies are not the only one who need wet wipes. This is I about, agree. this is about butts, bidets and booty wipes. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, toilet tissue is a relic. It is a thing that we should make in the past. Um, and when I'm president of the United States, everyone will have a wet wipe and a bidet. A bidet yeah. for everyone, every man is for all. And <laughs> yes. if you're really yes. into it, a spinning brush. Oh, hey, you got my vote. There you go. But, you know, it's funny, speaking of the bidet and trying to get my kid, you know, like to take care of this thing, as you said, you know, Dana, uh, you know, I call myself installing the bidet and thinking, OK, great. You know, the kid will get on it. It'll be wonderful. You know, he'll get cleaned up. We don't even have to worry about the wipes anymore, except when I come in there and he's got the bidet going and he's got like a cup of water. And he's like, look, daddy. I'm like, OK, wait a minute. <laughs> not working out the way I thought it would. Isn't it cool, daddy? I'm like, yeah. Um, that's not how it works, though. If you could just like sit on it and pee, that'd be wonderful. But, um, <laughs> but you know, kids are gonna make anything a toy. So, you know, I'm glad, you know, he just did that with the bidet, you know, it, you know it, it's all kinds of stuff around the house. They turn into toys. It's funny, you buy a kid, you know, all these expensive toys and then they, they you know, go in there and pull out your pots and pans and, and you know, tear that up for 20 minutes. You know, I'm thinking, you know what, next Christmas, screw buying all these expensive toys. 
I'm just going to get an empty cardboard box and wrap that and be like, here you go. Merry Christmas. All right. I got plenty of these. You can have all these you want. <laughs> right, right. Pamela just said flushable wipes at Walmart. Oh. You know, Pamela, I absolutely agree. I said because because the, there's we keep flushable wipes in the house. Um, but I just think I think I think these Charmin commercials are just a lie. Like I I I, I think all of that. Like that. Have y'all seen that animation? That animated commercial? Oh, with yeah, the bears? bears. Bears don't use toilet paper. I've watched them for hours. They just poop and walk. They sniff it real quick, then they walk away. I've never seen a bear that I've been watching like a psycho for days use toilet paper. And I'm just saying, I think that they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. Um, I also think that your son, <laughs> right, or the tissue over our eyes. That should have been um, cheap. They should have had cheap. They're trying they to put it all over our eyes. Right? Ah. Look, this is the richest country in the world. We can install bidets for bears. I know we can. We can get it done, people. That, we got my vote. That's a good slogan, by the way, for a movement. Bidets for bears, right? Yeah. A movement for bears we can get behind. Yeah, you can get them on Amazon, though, and put them on your toilet. <laughs> you can like, get bears right. on Amazon and put them on your toilet? Wait a minute. Hold up. Wait. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you Charmander. have bears for days. For days. Not bears. No, I know. I know. I, oh. I think, yeah, and I know Chris was just trying to play. I, you know, I think we need to just go ahead and make that happen. Now that I think about it, I, I think we should just, because I know I have, I've been to my good girlfriends, and they, during the pandemic, when everybody couldn't get toilet tissue, people started buying, like, you could attach this attachment, you know. And you could do your thing. So yeah, yeah, we just had a shop back with a bunch of dryer sheets. Nice. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we were rationing squares at our house. I was like, was that a two square or that was a three square? Because we can't afford more than two squares. Yeah, you got sure. <laughs> Don't, Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. No, that's that's where my dad uh he had like a like a little speech with us. I don't I don't remember at what age, but he's like, Do you understand what the fold is? I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, because you're using too much toilet paper. You, okay. you have to fold. Did, did y'all see on Netflix, they had like 100 people? <laughs> they had this show called 100 People. Oh, and yeah. There was, there was actually some comedians that were in amongst those 100 people because oh, I yeah. was like, hey, girl, I see you. But uh, they did these surveys. And one of the surveys they did was how people like use toilet paper when they were on the toilet. like, And then if they put the roll on like facing outward or facing inward so it was like a whole thing and uh the majority of like everybody had their own way like the fold or people just like crumbled it up and then you know like and then they were like do you wipe front to back or back to front and it was just like it was so funny so funny because everybody does it differently like there's no universal way to like take a shit they look sick no i just because i well, one, I did that because I was just kind of like, it doesn't even get that detailed for me, although I know it is. And then I actually honestly had a moment of embarrassment because in my apartment, like we don't have like the thing in the wall. Like I'm trying to remember why we don't have oh, it. Oh, to hold the toilet paper or whatever? Yeah. Like I'm like, did, mm. did we once have it and we broke it or did they paint the walls and not put it back? But I'm embarrassed. So the face you saw, you caught me being embarrassed, like in my head, like I don't. We don't have it because I don't, and I don't have a relationship to either direction. Our toilet tissue honestly just sits like on the edge of the tub. Like, and we just pick it up 
you know, and do the thing. And I also keep quite a few varieties of wipes in the, the, the bathroom. And unfortunately, shamefully, I have to admit, um, and I have been fussed at by two landlords, we don't keep flushable wipes just because honestly, again, they don't really break company, down. They don't, well, that, but they are the ones that will break down compared <laughs> to regular wipes. My issue yeah. is if we're going to, I need a cloth. And flushable wipes, I don't know whoever's brilliant idea it was to make them, because I do believe that it was brilliant. They make them like the size of index cards, even when you unfold them. And so you my, buy more. Right, because then I need, like, you know, it's going to be probably too much information. Gut health, can we talk about it? I need, like, more, you know, area across whatever Look, my... Dana, this is safe space. Is. It's all good. Yeah, That's so, right. So this I, is a safe space, yes. Safe space. So yes. I just... So I don't know is the bathroom. Draw, draw us a diagram. Say that again. <laughs> I seen. I said next time you should draw us a diagram. I should because you, but you guys, anybody, everybody on here has. We talked about it. Everybody on here has children and has dealt with with regular wipes. So you know the size difference between if you buy the Huggies wipes for your kid compared to those flushable adult wipes. We know the difference in size. And as far as I'm concerned, those flushable wipes have nothing on regular size baby wipes. And I will not waste money. And what happens is we buy toilet tissue, and I. I confessed this recently to a friend and she was like, do you do that? Like I also keep near my toilet, I keep peroxide and witch hazel. I dampen my tissue. Like if we're, you know, because I, because I do have some complexes That's about like, I don't want my bathroom is for. Say that again. That's what the witch hazel in my bathroom is for. I got to talk it, to somebody. Probably not in your bathroom. Like just like <laughs> you and the next puzzle pieces and the naked puzzle What did time. you think it was for? Spells? No, I, don't I don't ask her what she does in there. She just well, does no, she's she probably Women don't do us. I tell you. She's we toning don't her beautiful it. skin. In oh, my okay. house, I'm toning skin from the top to the bottom. Like I'm going to use whatever I can to make sure it's moisturized. all clean. Oh, to moisturize, yeah. yeah, moisturize and to clean and yeah, no to one tone. likes a rough hole, you know what I mean? Mm. Right. I've, I, I've seen that stuff with spills. That sounds like it goes through a greasy period, too. That's interesting. Say that one more time. Well, I, when the witch hazel spills, when they knock it over the bathroom, like I've felt that stuff. Like that sounds like its own greasy period right there. It's not, I, but I, witch hazel is not greasy. Witch, witch hazel is basically an alcohol knockoff that doesn't burn. Oh. That's what witch hazel is. Well, it's when your core is covered in crap and you waste the witch hazel, then, then it's going to be greasy, right? Right, right, right. Like, if, yeah. Like, if you if you're dealing, yeah. But like, otherwise, I, um, so I have I have alternative remedies to deal with the fact that wipes, adult flushable wipes, are not big enough. Um, that if you put too many of the regular wipes in a toilet, you you know, if you care about the piping in your building, whether you own it or not, then you're you know, there, there could be a potential problem. So I'm just trying to find the right space because what I know is that dry ass tissue does not do the job. Okay, Dana. Listen, I look. I, you know, I really care about you. You're a friend of mine, and and what I have to say to you is, right now, I'm really worried about you because <laughs> if you disappear tomorrow, I am certain that the toilet tissue industry has moved we'll to eliminate you. The toilet tissue lobby. They, they're just gonna be like, you know what? This black girl is way too loud. Yeah, the Sherman, the Sherman people will come after you. They'll yeah, send out you know, theirs. It's, it's a wrap. It's you're done. Well, and I want you to be okay. You know what I mean? So see, alleged, let's just say allegedly toilet tissue is too. I love it. Such a lawyer. Change the wording. So Chris, I, I, while you were saying that, I was thinking the opposite. I was like, how much are they paying? Like wet wipes people paying her to say this. I was like, and this is this show sponsored by them? <laughs> you know you, what? Hey, there's an opportunity there. Doing wet wipes, girl. There's an opportunity there. 
I I really do not want to see the Charmin wet commercial. I I, I imagine it has seals or something. <laughs> right. Oh, I see. I see. But that's you know, let us reason together, Charmin. Let us reason together. That's that would be you know if they, they came to my their, door, they have their wet wipes. They yeah, do. Like, like, don't do they? Don't they? Do they have wet wipes, Charmin? Do they? Okay. Well, then. Yes. Yeah, yes, they do. Sure they <laughs> it all, better be in a different package. <laughs> if it's in the same package as Listen, normal toilet paper, you just break it and there's water. Ah, crap. <laughs> before before I went to nursing school, right? I did a um, I did I worked in this clinic in Africa in Kenya, right? And we packed up a whole bunch of supplies before we went there. And I lived there for four months, and literally I lived off of baby wipes like lived off of them. I had a whole suitcase of baby wipes, right? I like everything. Like I was just like showering with baby wipes. The people at the clinic, they're like, what is this? And I was like, it's a baby wipe. They had never seen it before in their life. And I, I left a whole bunch of baby wipes over there and they were like, this is amazing. Like they were just like enamored by baby wipes. And I'm like, I'm so like throwing these in a hole in Africa, just covering them up. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like destroying the earth here with my baby wipes. <laughs> like, fucking American, you know? Like <laughs> okay, now you know, and, and look, and I, I mean, listen, I yeah! care about you. There you go. Trader yeah, Joe's, yeah. Trader Joe's. These are the cucumber and citrus face and body wipes. And so these are, are like they biodegradable. Are they biodegradable? They're not. I'm sorry, Chris. I want to, I'm going to leave you alone because you what's were saying. Citrus no, no, it's okay. I just don't want the environmentalists to cancel Mistress K. And that's what's going that's what's on this way. Oh, for bearing wipes in Kenya? For bearing wipes in Kenya? Yeah, yeah. They're on their way. <laughs> they're not worried about that. They're worried about the plastic that arrived last week. <laughs> yeah, plastic in the ocean. Yeah, geez, that's horrible. China said yeah. no. I guess we have so this. Chris, now. Chris, how's the scene? How's the comedy scene in Seattle? Is it getting? Because I went to Seattle when things were still popping. You know, back in the good old days, 2019, and uh, there wasn't too many comedy spots. You know, like there there was like a couple in like these like weird Chinese restaurants and. Yeah, you're talking about Jai Tai. They do kind yeah, of yeah, a, yeah. Mm -hmm. open mic uh, kind of thing. And and I've done comedy in some of the most, uh, like you said, off spots in, in, in Seattle. And it kind of ranges. I mean, we used to have Parlor Live, which was a really nice club. Uh, and then, you know, I've done, you know, comedy in, you know, hole in the wall dive bars in in seattle where you know you're basically standing on top of a pool table like hey can i make you laugh what do you think you know what i mean it's just so it ranges all kinds of ways i, I would say this um you know i've got a good friend chris zapata who's uh hosting over at nate jackson's comedy club and nate jackson has opened a comedy club in tacoma uh and i really think that that's going to be a great spot for comedy um and obviously you know nate jackson you know um you know african-american person uh, who's given, I think, opportunity to a number of comics from different backgrounds uh, in that club. So, you know, ironically, I think that the comedy scene is probably going to grow more out of Tacoma, uh, mm. you know, mm. and maybe Seattle. Uh, Seattle has a couple of uh, good good places to go. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hit or miss with, with comedy in Seattle. As far as, you know, being successful, I think, um, you know, all the comics I've talked to have told me that the road to success kind of goes through Portland. Uh, and so, you know, Portland has a more developed comedy scene, but, you know, I think uh, Tacoma and, you know, Nate Jackson's on the rise, you know, Chris Zavada's doing his thing. So, I, you know, I think we're going to see an improvement. 
So is it different? Because um, like LA people are so like PC culture out here. Is it different? Like I feel like Seattle is is a really liberal place where like it's kind of hit or miss. Like some of the jokes. Yeah, I feel okay. So honestly, I think I think you have to do comedy sort of for where you are, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to tell this joke. Um, when I was in uh, LA, I said, you know, when I first moved to LA, I went to this bar and I, you know, ran into this woman, you know, nice looking woman, blue eyes, blonde hair, and she's the bartender. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there talking to her and I have a couple of drinks. And finally I get to know her and she says, you know, uh, you know, she, I'm, you know, I'm African American. She's trying to connect me. And she says, well, you know, I'm a lesbian and I voted twice for Obama. And I said, well, you know, I'm from Mississippi and I, you know, I heard about people like you, but I never thought I'd see one up close. And she says, what, a lesbian? I'm like, no, white Democrat. Uh. <laughs> See, that joke plays differently in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you have to kind of do uh, comedy for where you're from. You know, Seattle, I think, is, um, I think people in Seattle are concerned about making sure that uh, you, you know, aren't saying anything that, you know, is too against marginalized people. But at the same time, I think if it's good comedy, uh, and it sort of pokes fun at, you know, the idea of, you know, all these separations between folks, then it's considered very positive. Good example of that is Joe Coy, right? Mm. I mean, Joe Coy's from Tacoma. Uh, you know, he certainly d works blue. Uh, and I, I think he makes fun of a lot of different people. I mean, he's made some jokes about African-American folks and he's made some jokes about, you know, Asian Pacific Islanders. Uh, but I think the way it's done is respectful and all in fun. Uh, I think there's a way, and I think this in general, I think there's a way you can joke about those sort of things. Uh, that's respectful and all in fun, uh, right? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I tell this joke every now and then, you know, about, you know, the separations between people and, you know, how, how ridiculous and crazy it is. But, you know, Joy Coy, when he jokes about, you know, his mom, you know, he, oh, yeah. he makes sure to let you know. She Joseph? was a nurse. <laughs> Joseph? <laughs> yeah, but she was a nurse, right? You know, and then he jokes about the whole thing about Filipinos being nurses. Oh, so, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think there's a way you can do it where you can poke fun at stuff. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, don't do it in a way that demeans people. You may, oh, yeah. you know, talk about stereotypes. I did a show one time in Seattle and I was joking there. Um, you know, I said, you know, uh, it just so happens that, you know, my wife is Asian. And I would, you know, tell some jokes about Asians, but I don't want that to get out because eventually I got to go to the doctor. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think you just do it in a way that's very respectful. That's just my opinion. See, I, I love it when uh, comedians like Joe Coy talk about like different cultures because like his Tupperware joke, how like it, everything came in like a container that wasn't like what it originally was, <laughs> like going to school with like a cool whip thing. Like that was me growing up as a kid. Like I had stuff in like butter tubs, like you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Listen, oh yeah, that, no, I know that. Yeah, country crock. Yeah, yeah country, right, right, right. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying, I was just saying that I had my mom put my food in a country crock, little butter. You know, I mean <laughs> what's that you got? Sometimes my mom just packed the country crock. Yeah, just bit the like sometimes it was just a country crock. I just eat that with a spoon. Yeah, I, I had that thing. That was my wallet till I was like seven. What are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is that um, one of the reasons I do comedy, uh, honestly, is because 
I want people to realize that we have more in common than we do different. There are all these differences that people want to pick on, but we really do have more in common than we do different. You know, you're talking about how you had the country crock and, and then there's the, the, the other container and, you know, certainly, you know, African-American people, you know, use that. But I think all people who, you know, come from a a background like that, you got to be resourceful. It's, you got to be really smart you know, to be, you know, impoverished and, and, and downtrodden in this country to be able to survive. Uh, and like I said, folks got more in common than they do different. I remember, you know, working at, uh, I worked at a legal aid agency in Everett, Washington. And uh, the paralegal who I shared space with in the office, she happened to be white. And, uh, you know, she was, you know, joking about how, you know, one of her older uncles, you know, he was really into Crown Royal and he is, you know, taking the bags of Crown Royal and use it as a wallet. And he sold like a, you know, a crown royal, you know, coat or whatever, a scarf. And I was like, <laughs> crown royal? I said, wait a minute. I said, wait a minute. Hold on. Is your uncle black? She's like, <laughs> no. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that, that can't be right. She's like, yeah, all my family, you know, they're from the mountains. They drink Crown Royal. And I'm like, okay, really? Like, I didn't know white people drank Crown Royal. And then I moved here to Seattle and like white people, it's almost reversed. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you'll you'll meet some, uh, like I know a dude, he's white. He works at the library at North Seattle. Uh, his name is Leroy, and he drinks Crown Royal. I'm like, okay, you're messing me up. I, it's too. I, this is a lot. This is a lot. Yeah, we, right, we right. Have a, everybody has a lot in common. There are so many more people other than just me that engage in naked floor puzzle time. And back to naked floor. Is that what you called us all back to? <laughs> I think it's what we're calling the episode now. All right. Yeah, naked floor puzzle time. Uh, you know, they have that. Uh, like I said, people have more in common with it than they do different. They have that, or uh, you know, in other places, it's called sex clubs. But you know, also, there's no sex you know involved. I mean? It's a nice puzzle. It's Disney. There might be sex involved. Never mind. My man. <laughs> that made it more weird. It's Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what okay. I'll do yeah. all day. Can you imagine that? Like viewing the Mandalorian R-rated? Like, ooh. X-rated? <laughs> ooh. <laughs> you know, that, that makes all the lines in the Mandalorian stand out a little different. I can bring you in warm or I can bring you cold. Right, kind of adds a different spin to it, right? Yes. Oh man, now I gotta watch that show. Yeah, you know what? Watch every Mandalorian and picture it with everyone naked, right? Oh, instead in a sex club, all the lines will hit you differently. You know what I mean? It'll be it it it'll be just great. Oh man, imagining that is how I used to get through sermons. Um. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> wow. This this is like so we have to definitely have like part 2, part 3. Um, you know, I like this has been amazing, Chris. I'm so glad to have had you on like uh like I, I don't know, just this is a lot of fun and I can't like so you guys, we're definitely looking forward to the clubhouse slash therapy of the absurd slash all Zoom like meetup when we come out of this cuz Chris will be coming to LA. Mistress K and I have met Stefan and Dan, and and then Manu and I have met. Like it's crazy that I've met Manu and Mistress K before I've met you, Stefan and Dan. Like that's crazy, right? Like we've been doing this together for eight months, and I I have met you know these amazing folks. And so it's the same, Christopher. When you make your way to LA, 
Like we just have to have the meetup. We just have to, you know, have the meetup. And and preferably the meetups will all will all be at comedy clubs. We'll be at the Laugh Factory. We'll be at the Improv or where Chateau Comedy Chateau because that's the, probably the first place I'm trying to go to because that seems to be the new hot spot. Um, but this has been amazing. And I'm still, you know, like I feel like as usual, these conversations always feel unfinished because I'm still trying to like crack the nut on, like we need to, we want to talk further about why why lawyers become lawyers to not be law to not so wow oh, there it is now why do you become lawyers why do you earn a jd and then you take <laughs> that as your passport to something else your passport to you know an s and m you know like a, a passport to being a teacher a passport to being all these other things and that's what we'll call a passport so we really really um want to have you back so that we can just talk further about any of this. <laughs> no, I'd love to do it. Um, I'd love to do it. I, I appreciate being here. Unfortunately, you know, lawyers don't, people don't let lawyers do everything. I applied for a job at the library one time and they were just like, mm -mm, no, you need a library degree. I'm like, but I have a jade. No, mm -mm, no, mm -mm. not gonna work. Okay, cool. Sorry. I'll go back. I should have studied the De Dewey Decimal System harder. My bad. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But no, thank you all so much. I really uh, I really have enjoyed being here and I hope I can. Uh, you know, I'm happy to come back if you wish. wish to have I'm excited story. about my gifts. You need my address. What you need? What you need? <laughs> I need the address so I can get your gift. You. All right, and then Mistress K, which uh, Mistress K had the whip uh, up there. I just said SNN because I I remember I was just reading my the cousin. comments. I was just oh. trying to give the viewers what they wanted. Bend yeah, over. Yeah, my, my cousin my cousin would like to pay money for something that my wife may not approve of. I'd have to ask her. <laughs> oh Lord! I'll teach your wife how to do it. it <laughs> that way, when you can turn your naked puzzle night into something really fun, <laughs> right? I'm gonna give away a little secret here. We already have two whips. Um, so. <laughs> Menu, let me let me assure you of something. That was not a secret. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know. know you for 15 minutes. That was not shocking. <laughs> I'm glad I give that vibe. <laughs> no, that's whoa, good. whoa, oh, whoa. Man. A little close to the mic there, Dan. Oh yeah. That's how you can hear um, the detail. We, we um <sighs> get excited. We want to give a big thank you to Mistress K for coming in and being a part yes, of our thank panel you. tonight. Thank and you for having funny. me. Right. We need to have you back as a guest as well, Mistress K. So you got to be a host before you got to be a guest. But we are so happy. Anytime. Uh, she is an amazing host, an amazing promoter, comedy producer, amazing comic, everything. You guys, Mistress K in the building. Follow her. Amazing ass Peter. <laughs> ball buster. Ball buster. Ball right. buster. Ass Peter. Nutcracker. Let's I, put some I more shit on this. Oh, list. wait a minute. Now I get it. Mistress. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Slow folks. The slow folks. I love it. Do you really go to Morehouse or do you just pick that sign up on the way over here? What happened? I don't know. I think I just I think I just figured you to be so innocent that I was just like, oh, Mistress K, that's a really neat. Oh, okay. It's a lifestyle, baby. It's a okay. Lifestyle. You gotta remember, I'm married. I, you know, I've been out of the game for a long time. I just, you know, you sounds like I need to talk to your wife. <laughs> Slowly. Don't no, no, don't sleep on her. Okay. Don't sleep. So. <laughs> I, I think I got two kids. That don't matter. Oh. That just means that you have a weak pullout game, sir. Oh yeah, that's right. Like seven, <laughs> seven kids. Either I'm that sorry, or your wife has an amazing good good that just like clenches. You know, amazing it, good good. You know, my wife is my wife is streaming this right now. So um I yes, know, like, wife. Woo! 
Woo! I gotta be real careful because I don't want to end up on the couch. But uh, no, my wife is actually very sweet. She's wonderful. She puts up with me. Uh, and the most wonderful thing I think about it is that she's my best critic. Uh, you know, I'll tell her a joke and, you know, I, you know, instead, of, and I, she's just straight with me. I'll tell a joke and think, I'm like, hey, baby, isn't that funny? She's like, mm, no. <laughs> did you think it was funny? <laughs> what did you think was funny it. about that joke and i'm like oh okay maybe i'll go back to the drawing board with this one she's like if that's what you want to do <laughs> so yeah Whoa. um so and also we want to shout i want to shout out pamela williams because pamela has not been here before i believe this is pamela's yay, first time yay pam yay well, pam, pam is in chicago she is a uh a frontline healthcare worker she's a nurse uh, and she uh, is a person who champions women's issues and diversity. She's on the diversity committee at her hospital. Uh, and, you know, she she gives a lot of opportunity to people. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate her uh, for what she's done for, uh, you know, people in Chicago in their health and, and for my family. So. Wow. Yay, Pam. Yeah. Uh, the regulars are in here. Nick Craft Crew, one of our faves. Uh, uh, let me get on down. Uh, Dan, of course, I'm just trying to make sure we say goodnight to everybody. I know I saw uh, Lauren Bowman, my fave. We um, had a Roderick in here, or a Roderick, and I don't know which one it is, Mr. Roderick Entry. Oh, uh, Roderick. And I love that name. I love that name, Mr. Skay. How do you say it right? How do you say it correct? It's Roderick. Roderick. Oh, it's Roderick. Oh, oh, I, I was it. like Roderick. I was like, what? I know. I know. Somebody call, somebody calls him like Roger, Rupert. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, Dana. Now you know somebody's gonna use that because you know it's not it's not Leroy, it's Leroy, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, it's not Roderick, it's uh Roderick. When he runs for Senate, it's going to be Roderick Davis. Really? Gucci you Manny have to have the three syllables. He's right. You have to make it three syllables. Roderick I'm not making Davis. it with y'all. I'm a Southern woman. I grew up with a cousin named Roderick, and that's it. <laughs> That's what it, that's awesome because I haven't I haven't heard anyone with that name. It's awesome. It's a rare name. You know, I had a cousin, and uh, you know, my great grandmother one time she was talking to me, and I loved her to death. I lived with her in Mississippi, and she said, "Well, you know, your cousin so 